Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Big Week in Gaming podcast. And yes, it's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot for episode 45 on Sunday, the 23rd of May, 2021. As always, I'm joined by the official P3 nominated and approved Xbox Hall of Famer and number one challenger to the mantle of the greatest Xbox RPG player in the world, Swinny. Hello. <laughs> and the game-loving, grind-hating, pretend-to-quit coffee-drinking gamer, anti-gamer, and slightly, slightly less interrupter-in-chief, Joe Jive! <laughs> Uh, in this week's show, we'll be discussing Is Starfield an Xbox exclusive? Time Splitters is back, and so is Free Radical Design, and my review of Press Reset Ruin and Recovery in the Video Game Industry. Boys, it's been a big week in gaming, as always. So many big stories this week. Uh, as always, if you want to follow us on socials, check us out at Big Wig Pod, B I G W I G P O D. Uh, and then, yes, yeah, also our email address is at gmail.com using that so the spammers can't get us. Um, no corrections this week, Swinney. No, we're, we're 100%, 100% last week. No, oh, no corrections whatsoever. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Quick updates. Uh, Summer Games Fest 2021 will kick off a couple of days before uh, E3, 10th of June, which uh, yeah, interesting. Did you guys check that out last year? No, honestly, like I heard there was news that came out of that period, mm. the running that stuff, but it was very like everywhere. It was kind of haphazard, feel, right? Yeah, it didn't feel like, oh, this is the thing that you should watch until they had, I mean, they had the Gamescom stuff kind of not too long after that, that, you know, Keely was, in, Keely was involved with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, that I kind of bundled that in into my head as part of that, but... I don't know if that technically was its own separate thing completely. I think it was like a weird thing about being in Australia. I think for the US, it was happening in primetime slots. So you might have been on your computer at like eight, nine, whatever, and then something popped up. So it's like, oh, okay, I'll jump across. But it was always weird times for us and wasn't much notice. So I really didn't check out much. So I'm kind of glad this year it's more of a defined time, whether there's going to be material announcements. I don't know. You'd think you'd wait for E3. Right, if it's two days later, if you had some juicy announcement, surely. Well, I guess we'll see uh, soon. I'd tease something, and then I'd release it at E3. Oh, okay. Slight mm-hmm. teaser for mm-hmm. E3. I'm sure Keely would love that. A... <laughs> uh, and then the next update Mike would be happy about is No Man's Sky will be yeah. the first VR title to support NVIDIA's DLSS. That's, uh, you know, the AI technique for upscaling. Uh, Which I'm a huge for, fan for of. For VR, which, yeah. that's kind of sick, man. That's kind of yeah. sick. That's kind of sick. Well, it, from what I read, it's one of the first to some other VR experiences, but that's the big one, obviously. So, so I, I'll jump into what I've been playing this week because it is related to DLSS, actually. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I'd ping you guys during the week and say you wouldn't guess what I'm playing. And I, I have a stab. Guess. We didn't guess. I tried. I, well, tried. I've just given you a hint. So related to DLSS. Jeez, I don't know. Uh, the Witcher 3? <laughs> that doesn't have DLSS, you idiot. I think it does. I thought I'd heard that it does. No, no, it will with uh, um, the next-gen update, I believe. Uh, I tried Cyberpunk. It wasn't Cyberpunk. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, I've got to correct you. We were on a good no-corrections run. I have been playing Control. Ah, okay, fair enough. Yes, yes. Oh, you idiot? Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, back, I actually can't... I thought he finished it, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I can't recall. Have you guys played Control? Yes, I yes, did you whole, idiot. We did. We impressions exactly. On it. Oh my god! Impressions, or did you finish it? Uh, no, I didn't finish it. Oh man, I yeah, am, I didn't finish it either. I'm an enamored with this game. 
Huh. I love this game, man. I thought you I'm finished so it a while back. It. No, Control? Yeah. No. no? You're probably okay. thinking of Alan Wake. No. no. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Well, I know you finished that one. Okay. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. I've been... get back into that as well. I've been, like, wanting to play this game, and then I bought it, and then, you know, went free on Xbox and on oh, PlayStation and then, Yeah, that's Plus. right. You were so bitter and disappointed <laughs> that you didn't want to continue playing it. I don't remember that yet. I'm actually... No, no. I didn't start it back then. I didn't even start it. Okay. I only ever tried it on Switch streaming from the States oh, just to test if it worked. Okay, I thought you played And it, it barely did. Damn. And then okay. it booted me off for the connection. Um, man, I'm loving this game. And Good. the Very DLSS solid. in this game is awesome. It's crazy. Yeah. Like, it actually, uh, I've seen things about it and it actually almost, it looks better than the native resolution. I don't think that's true. No, there, there were certain true. elements that were being rendered better. It was really weird. Look it up. Yeah. I, I, well, no, no, I was you, surprised. You, that can only be true if what you're saying is, you know, at the same frame rate, like the DLSS version looks better because you can do more with it. You can put more volumetric effects and, you know, uh, ray tracing effects and stuff like that, which is what I did. Yeah. I had, I had a version of it running without DLSS and then one with, and I was able to amp up all the ray tracing effects. It looks insane with the ray tracing effects on. Hmm. Uh, I'm surprised you, you guys don't 16? like that game. I really no, love no, that game. No, no, I like. What do you mean I, I didn't? I like it. Yeah, you clearly don't remember yeah. what I said about. But the why'd game you put it down? Why'd you put it show? down? Because I just there's games sometimes where yeah. I just <laughs> you have to be in a certain zone for Same. it. And okay, I got okay. I got pretty uh, you know quite a few hours into yeah. it, and it's not very um, long. I like I like the game, but from a gameplay standpoint, to me, it's a little mediocre. But oh. the actual like the atmosphere and the story and everything's great. And there, the gameplay is really good. I found personally. Yeah, I solid, found the gameplay it's awesome. Solid, very solid shooter. Yeah, very very cool mechanics. Very solid shooter. I don't want to like spoil it for everyone, but man, I'm really like I think I really so really on. love this game. That means I think I got further than probably even you. So I've I've got keycard level five. Oh, you're way ahead of me. Oh, okay, cool. You're like, dude, it's not that long of a game. Oh, I, I, um, it's, it could be like... You might be, you might be so like... Speaking of, speaking of Joe Jives, <laughs> another shout out to our friend Joe Jives. Uh, we played Resident Evil 1, I think it was, way back in the day. as It would have been on PlayStation 1. And we smashed it in the course of a day and a bit, I think it was. And then we had to stop because I had to go home. As it's meant to be played. As it's meant to be played. And then I had to go home and we never finished that game. Anyway, fast forward like 15 years later or something. I'm playing it on whatever other new new version of it exists. And I got to the same part that we were at. I'm like, oh my God, it's the same part. Like, finally, I can continue the game. (laughs) Literally, the game finished like a minute and a half later. How, how does that no how idea. does that happen? We we're like right at the end of the <laughs> freaking the game. Does that okay, maybe, maybe a minute and a half is exaggerating it slightly, but we're literally yeah, like right 10, at the minutes. end of the game. At the very, very, very end of the game. Wow, is where what, we stopped. Yeah, we what had else no idea because we never looked it up. What have you been playing this week, Mike? What have I been playing? I've been mm. playing a lot of uh, Luigi's Mansion. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, because cool so I gave it beautiful, to my beautiful, looking really game, right? beautiful looking game. Yeah. Very cool gameplay. I never realized that sucking is so good. Um, I wish I wish I did as much vacuuming around my actual house uh, that I did do in that game because it's so it's so satisfying. It's weird. Yeah, it is. So it's a fantastic game. I I actually got it for um, for my girlfriend. She got into it and she kept ra- raving on about it. So mm. I'm like, all right, I'll give it a crack as well. So I started playing it too. And then we also played co-op, which was really really fun. And I don't know. The bosses are so cool in that game. Yeah, just yeah trying yeah. to figure out what to do, and then you finally figure it out. And just the, the gameplay is fantastic. It's it's a really really brilliant, one of my favorite Switch games that I've that 
I've probably ever played easily. There's there's a list of Switch games where I'm like, when the Switch Pro comes out, I want to go back to to see if it just yeah. runs a lot smoother. I yeah. feel like that game running at a buttery sixty. Oh, that'd be awesome. I'd love it that. Could, like Sweeney, I don't know if you've seen Luigi's Mansion Three, but it looks insane. It looks it's really so beautiful. Good. Yeah, it's a really like, beautiful. Of course, game. I've seen it. You idiot. <laughs> Have you played it? <laughs> I said, of course I've seen it, you idiot. But what? On like a trailer? I'm talking about... Uh, Look, it's different when you're running on the device. How? You're talking to Swinny. Of course I've seen what Luigi's Match 3 looks like. On a a device. What is... Come on. It makes a difference. Oh, I I can only see it in person, real on a device. It's not like it's (laughs) just coming through a screen. the glory of Luigi's Match 3. It's not like it's coming through a screen anyway. Come on. It's a YouTube you compression. You can't get the real the screen. <laughs> you need it uncompressed. It, it, it doesn't uh, look cor- correct on your OLED. I was the, Mike probably doesn't remember, but mm. when we had the whole uh, like two for one pre order deal with EB Games stuff, I was telling him to get Luigi's Mansion. Yeah, and I think that's, that's when I, I said it as well. I yeah, said it as well because I bought it. Yeah. Bought it then. The two for one. I bought it as part of the two for one. Yeah, and that was that was one. It's of a great game. I really like it a lot. Really, I think it's yeah. I think weirdly it. underrated game. Like it, it is, it got some plaudits when it came out, but it's gone off the radar so hard with people massively. Because I, and you know what it comes down to, I, and I was ranting on about when I was playing uh, Mario Odyssey and stuff. I'm like, oh my god, too many Mario games. Like, do something different, Nintendo. This is it. This is the thing that I didn't realize I should have played. That is completely should, you different. You know, Nintendo does this <laughs> with like all their games. I know, yeah, I, know I know, I know. But I feel so like dumb. they could do more. They could Terrible do more, more Yoshi games. They could do. more. They do. They make a Yoshi game every three years. Uh. Which one? Yoshi's Crafted World came out like a year or two ago. Okay, I gotta play that too. I've got it. Is it good? I can lend it to Is you. It good? Are you like... in Sydney? <laughs> no, I'm not, but... You could... It's not bad. Look, like, the problem with Yoshi, as Swinney and I know too well, Yoshi's Island is just... It, it's You do not want that to be the first in your franchise. <laughs> it is so yeah, freaking good. It sets such a high watermark. It's like Chrono Trigger. <laughs> It's almost like if Chrono Trigger wasn't as good, then I could imagine that being a series. But the first game's so good, every game that comes after it, it's just like, oh, it's not as good as Chrono Trigger. Well, that's why it could I, be a I, 9 out of 10 game. That's why but, I never made know. another video on my channel. <laughs> because oh, there's Mike. no point. I don't, oh, want, I don't want to... Uh... Yeah, and the other problem with Yoshi is the fact that they followed that up with Yoshi's Story, which to me is an absolutely terrible game. Yeah. And I was so looking forward to that. <laughs> you were pumped so, about it. This I is a 64 so, game. <laughs> I was so shattered by that game <laughs> that it just killed any enthusiasm I have for any Yoshi Damn. game. Past can, I get, can I correct the record? So, Because I had Yoshi's Island. Did you actually own it or were you just playing my copy? No, I always borrowed Yeah, yeah. Copy. So I Because I, th- it's just part of this context of the story. Because I kind of remember it's like... You know, you were like, shit, now I can get my Yoshi game. <laughs> it's like 64, and you're like, yeah, this is going to be my coffee. And it was just not great. Like, some people have come around to that game, but I think it's kind of rose-coloured glasses. It, it looks it looks great. It had some okay ideas, mm. but it just played like trash. Yeah, and I think that's the most important thing, right? How does the game come together? Is it cohesive in the end? You know what doesn't play so like trash, games. though? You know Mass what? Effect. Oh, you've have been you playing been playing it this week? Well, I wouldn't say a lot. I played it a little bit. I, I probably spent more time trying to pick my class at the start of the game. <laughs> I didn't I even did realize. See, I kind of made a mistake, and I'm too far into the game now. Mm. I didn't realize that I could have the default Shep, but like pick some of the backstory and the class and everything like that. Oh, That's God. right. What? Like, dude, no, I'm playing. Know. Okay, 
Swinney is such a gatekeeper. I'm going to start attacking him for being such a gatekeeper. I think a lot of people would have that reaction when, when you say Mate, that. I'm just playing a blind. I'm playing a blind. So, well, how blind are you that you can't you, see a mini option to, there? When you, go to create, when you go to create your character, did you not see the option to, like, set No, he, he's literally he's, playing wait, wait, hang on. blind. This he is a guy who doesn't even have the bloody, you know, legendary edition telling me about how it works, right? It literally has. It goes, do you want to just play as the default Shep or the female Shep or create your own character? Yeah. And I've seen people who've created their own characters and I'm like, I don't want to look like that. Yeah, right? but when you hover above it, it still has the same look on the no, right. No, it's but still I didn't him. even go down. I was just like, I don't want to create default. a character. I just want to play the guy who looks like Shepard. I'll just click. To, to be fair, I can kind of see how it doesn't. Thank you. You know, Thank you. it's not the most... I don't know if I call it an intuitive way of selecting your class. Yeah, I could see how some people missed it. So I didn't even realize it was classes, like, and all that kind of stuff. And then I started playing it. I'm like, man, I've just maxed out, like, Soldier or whatever it is. Already maxed it out. How much have you played this game? No, no, I'm saying, you know, how, like, when I pick a team, like, all of my attributes Mm. are, like, you know, what are the three attributes? It's, like, uh, biotics. Biotics, you mean? Engineering and... and Engineering, and then the other one is, like, melee or attack or whatever. Weapons, yeah. Mine's all weapons. Ah. But you know what? Like, so so first of all, weapons are a pretty core part of the game, obviously. And, and, you know... As are abilities, but you can use your teammates for a lot of that stuff, so you're not really (laughs) missing out. Can I just say, so I... I always tell you guys, whenever I have a character creator, I always pick, like, the sneaky character or, like... You know, stuff, and I never play like that. I always start playing the game and then go, I just want to shoot everyone. So the game has forced me to play how I normally like to play. So I appreciate that. Uh, (laughs) That's Thank you. Yeah. No, (laughs) no, I look, I was into it and I like, I'm super into it. And it's like, uh, I just need to play control. There's like, I need to get back to it. I was looking forward to playing it. I went through all of the game of some other year games and Mm. I really just wanted to play control all the way through. Fair enough. And I'm like, why am I not playing control? (laughs) Like, I just got to play this bloody game. And there's reasons why I'm playing it. So it will come clear later. But Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. But yeah. Swinny, just, just quickly on Mass Effect, would you say that it doesn't really matter what class you pick because you can use your squad mates with their abilities anyway to complement that? And you can manually control them as in what abilities they oh. use. So. No, I, I still think it's, it's important to have a, a play style. It, like, because to me, I, I know what you're saying that, Hey, if you have Liara, you can then experience biotics by tricking her stuff. If yeah. you have, like, Tali, can use it. It's not the stuff, same, but, but, I mean, you still get to um, experience those things in the yeah. game. Yeah. But I think, um, from memory, it could be different in the Legendary Edition. I think you can tweak the classes when you go to continue on to the next game yes. if you wanted to anyway. Oh, but okay. Honestly, playing a soldier's fine. Like, I've played a, done a soldier playthrough and stuff yeah. before. Like, that, that's fine. You know? Yeah. I, I'm you not you don't do miss multiple. out on anything, honestly. Either way, you don't... If you don't do multiple, then you'll always miss out on something. But yeah, you're not going to miss out on the experience because if you focus on weapons, a core part of the game is shooting. So, that benefits you. And if you're focusing yeah. on biotics, a core part of it is also biotics. So, you benefit from that. So, it's like... just. Pick whatever and enjoy the game. And I, I, I know this is sacrilegious, but man, the game can be... It feels like a super old game at times. Like, I was fighting one boss, or whatever they are, and I'm like... It, the fight was so clunky, it was, like, out of control. Like, I would respawn, and, like, the guy would be on top of me and just, yeah. like, kill me in, like, two seconds. I'm like, I, I literally could do nothing in this... Do you remember what boss it was? Uh, it was uh, the one where you get Liara. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. It was ridiculous. I was like, what the, the hell? Like, Sorry, it's like a Krogan. Oh, yeah, Krogan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> it was like buggy, man. Like, like uh, no joke. I respawned and then I I couldn't even get into cover anything. It just launched at me. 
and just whacked me. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I don't know. The game, it's weird. Like, games are so careful about being unfair now. Like, that's a really big thing. Like, I've noticed, actually, when you think about, like, yeah. lots of modern games, like, they, you know, you lose, it's kind of like, ah, eh, you're just not good enough or whatever. But this game, it's what? just weird. That's obviously know. buggy bit, in that sense. It's a bit buggy. If you can finish the games, I think both Swinney and I finished the games on Insanity, which is the hardest difficulty. If that's doable, that means, you know, the game is fair enough in that But you guys are pretty sense. good at games, though. No, but, like, it's not. Like, there were certain, There were like maybe two or three parts that you really feel like you can get stuck on that are yeah. difficult. Okay. But even those parts, parts are like, uh, it's if I use the right things at the right time, it's it's obviously totally doable. So it's yeah. not it's not that bad. Mass Effect 2's insanity is the trickiest of the three. Yeah, they probably had the two biggest parts that were a bit annoying to go through. Mm, okay. And then what? But, what but hang on, been... sorry, sorry, just on that one, the one thing, just really quickly on that, mm-hmm. uh, the one thing that I think is actually kind of cool is insanity's a little too much to be honest but if you play it on a difficulty that's higher than normal it actually gets you to play the game properly because i find that on normal when i did my very first playthrough it was too easy things you didn't really have to do combos you didn't really have to mix stuff up you didn't really care about number one doesn't sorry number number two and three will have combos uh with like synergies between abilities and stuff i don't think number one does when you can correct me on that one but, I don't. I think they started yet to throw that. But in. what's really cool, number two, is I actually recommend playing it on a higher difficulty than normal because I find it gets you to play the game properly, if that makes sense, mm. and actually use the full, you know, suite of what the game has to offer, as opposed to just breezing through it with with just basic stuff. Um, I got to say, I'm better experience. I'm pretty meh on the combat. I'm pretty meh on it, and the Mako and everything like that. It, but it I improves love in two and three. Don't worry, it improves. I love the lore, like. Like, it's one of those rare games, and you know I'm a skipper. I'm a dialogue skipper. You are, but this Which one, is, like, yeah. sacrilegious to Swinney. But, um... Speaking of Swinney. Oh, not for every game. Not for every oh, game. I almost skip everything. I skip Dark Souls, you know... Really? Dialogue, everything. Yeah, Man, shit, yeah. that's, like, the coolest... <laughs> most interesting dialogue that but, mean, uh, makes no sense, but is awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. I didn't skip all of it, but, um... Yeah, this game, I'm, like, reading everything. I'm going nuts. <laughs> like, anything I pick up, I'm, like, read the whole thing. It's weird, I'm yeah. almost, like, writing down the ca- like the races and just, like, <laughs> understanding the lineage and stuff. It's really cool. I, it's very I don't good. Know. Very I cool. love sci-fi. I don't know why, but I love well-written sci-fi where there's, like, some depth to the the backstory and the motivations and the politics and everything. It's very, very cool. I'm no, really into I that. Was, I was the same. It's funny. We were probably the same, I'm assuming, as well, where every single... Um, entry into your codex. I would I would listen to, and that that dude has a really cool voice as well. The the narrator of the codexes. Yeah, really so I'm pretty cool. hyped. I you know I'm now <laughs> hyped up like about a follow on. Uh, but we won't go to Andromeda. I don't think I ever play that game. Yeah, gone, see, that's onto two and three. That is that that game is worth playing. I'm not going. Yeah, play. I, I don't is, have enough time. We still got to go through to number two and number three. Correct. That's uh, going to take a that's a multi year project. While, yeah. That's a multi year so project. What have you been playing? So this week I've played uh, only a few things, so two of them <laughs> I'll be talking about. Um, no, literally, um, I've, the two of them I'll be talking about later. So one I'll be giving some impressions mm. of the new Scarlet Nexus demo, mm-hmm. which is a new action RPG from Bandai Namco. Uh, it's coming out in June. Uh, I'll be talking about we'll be talking about Cruel World together as part mm-hmm. of uh, you know as I guess recanting our experiences and how we acted. Uh, but the only other game I've been playing this week is a little game by the name of cyberpunk yes mm. you caved you said you were gonna wait until the next gen update and you caved 
We talked about this last week. I know. I just want to. I just want to. You know, every now and then viewers drop in and out, so I just want to make sure that everyone's clear. I did not, and I did not say you. You have a way of like misremembering things. No, I. I wasn't sure how when I was going to pick it up. I wasn't sure when I was going to pick it up. Anyway, no, it's about creating so, a narrative. I just say things, and then if you don't correct, it becomes the the reality. It's just like you're in the Xbox Hall of Fame. It should have been a politician. Yeah. You you live in that reality. I live in the real world. <laughs> So I'm about. I'm still still very early on. I'm probably about ten hours in, mm-hmm. um, and I'm still early in Act Two. If anyone knows the kind of structure of that game, um, be, because what I'm basically doing is I'm just doing a lot of the side content as much as I mm. can before progressing uh, the main quests um, for various reasons. But um, I kind of want to really get myself in a, a position where I've really clicked with the RPG mechanics and the systems and the combat and everything before really getting into a lot of the main quests. Mm. Um, because honestly, that stuff is still a work in progress for me. Um, like the combat in, in Cyberpunk hasn't clicked yet for me. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just, I'm still trying to figure out, like I'm trying to, I definitely play stealthy in this game, which I do in most games. But when I hit combat encounters, I feel like I'm kind of just flailing around um, and I don't really have a build um, and things like that. So I'm still finding my feet there and that's why I just want to, you know, get, you know, more experience uh, literally so I can (laughs) perk up my character and and put skill points. And honestly, the game, I think the game does a very poor job of onboarding that side of the game. Like they do a pretty good job of onboarding a lot about the game world and the a lot of the systems in the game, but when you actually look at the RPG stuff, so the attributes, the and then how it kind of how all that stuff works, and the perk systems, unless I miss something, I don't. It doesn't really introduce a lot of that stuff to you. Now, a lot of yeah. it's fairly straightforward. I'm not saying it's not, but it's surprising for a game of this like scale and with this high amount of hype that they didn't kind of they don't hold your hand at all no, i know what you stuff. mean like even even with the perks you get the you get the perks that are for the six different core attributes that you can put things into and then you have um skills within that yeah. but it doesn't even tell you that you can't level up a certain skill or you can't level up um a, your 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 level for that particular um attribute up more than whatever the max is i know it sounds obvious but i'm like hey i'm not getting any more experience for stealth takedowns or something what's going on and then you realize oh it's yeah. because i've reached the cap of that particular level and it doesn't really yeah i know it sounds obvious once you once you once you look at it you're like oh i get that but it's not explained anywhere that i recall and and, and can i just add to swinney so you know swinney to qualify your opinion in a positive way you know, you're on your way this year to complete 250, complete 100%, complete 250 RPGs. So I think if anyone knows a bit about RPGs and <laughs> yeah, how they onboard too. people and, you know, the that's mechanics yeah. of it, you know, like that's pretty damning in my view. Like a noob like me, if I jump onto Cyberpunk, I'm probably just going to bounce off it. Yeah, the the thing is that the at least the early missions I've played so far, a lot of it hasn't mattered that much. Mm. Um, so I, I'm hoping that's not going to be the case when you're like more than halfway through the game, because a lot of that stuff should matter. You know, I'm, I'm in a mission for instance, and it's like, okay, well I can go this, 
this way to get to where I need to go or I can break down the store because I've got a certain amount of technical skill or strength or whatever. I can't remember the exact body attribute, I think it's called. Um, so that stuff does matter, and I think that stuff's going to become more and more. Now, for these early missions, obviously, they don't want to make it so there's too many barriers in front of people. Um, but I just, yeah, I, I agree the fact that, um, you know, for a game that is... Is, was going to have a lot of eyes on a lot mm. of people picking this up. It does seem like they did a poor job onboarding any of that stuff. But look, overall, you know, I basically, there's a big mission. That, you know, obviously, I'm not going to talk spoilers. There's a big mission that leads you through in the first act of the game that, to me, is like an all time classic mission. I just, it was one of the coolest experiences I've had in, in an RPG. The world, the storyline, it's it's enthralling to me. I actually really, really love it. Um, and I've been doing, as I said, I've been doing a lot of that side content and a lot of those side characters are really, really cool and interesting. And uh, the one thing, like, I generally like the dialogue and the writing. It's obviously, it's cyberpunk, so you know what to expect. It's kind of very over-the-top and tongue-in-cheek sometimes. But I'm not really feeling, I'm playing as the female V. Of course. Or I guess... Um, and I'm not really feeling the voice acting from V. Like, I don't know if it's the the performance itself or just how they've scripted it, but there's times when I'll be in a conversation and, you know, usually there's like a main option in the conversation that will continue the, the story forward or the dialogue forward, and then there's like optional stuff you can ask. Mm. And it feels like sometimes I'll choose that stuff in a certain order and it feels like your character's tone is all over the place. Like mm. you will, you'll ask something and you're like, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. And then you select another option and you're like, get to the point, bastard or something. <laughs> it's like, it's As if it's like rushed. <laughs> it's, it to me, like you look at LucasArts games where they, you can choose any option in their dialogue and it will kind of, you know, it will feel natural. The flow, mm. this feels unnatural. It feels like, Things are meant to be selected in a certain order, which goes against the whole point of being able to select dialogue options. But yeah, look, overall, I'm I'm loving it. Um, you know, there's I there's some things I, I think I love the amount of fast travel points that they put <laughs> out there. It makes things get everywhere. Crazy. It's awesome. And the you know, in terms of other stuff, like I, I guess from a performance standpoint, I'm so I'm playing this on Xbox Series X. Um, I've had no major issues so far. It runs pretty well outside of. I've had some buggy animations from like pedestrian NPCs and all of that stuff. Like there is, there's a lot of jank around just the general world stuff. Like I don't know, Mike. I don't know if it's me, but half the time, not half the time, but you'll like you'll be looting an area, and sometimes there's an item you just can't pick up. Uh, yeah, it's happened to me <laughs> randomly, and it. I don't know if they fixed it, but it used to happen with um, any mech or any non-human thing. You can never loot. The corpses. So well, it's not just there. the enemies. Like there'll be just something in the ground that looks like it was placed yeah, it's, there, it's, and you just sometimes can't pick it up before, unless yeah. you like get a certain angle. Yeah. It's just it and, sucks when you're a completionist and you need to just pick up everything. <laughs> well, there's. It's also like so. While I haven't had any issue do, issues in terms of like major bugs or anything, it does feel like sometimes that the world is like taped together with duct tape. <laughs> it's <laughs> like it does feel like at some point something could go wrong. Um, so I'm. That's a jury still out on that stuff because you know all it takes is one mission critical thing to go wrong, mm. or um, to for me to just be like pissed off at that side of the game. But overall, I'm having fun. That's awesome. I got to say, I'm 
I'm very happy I've waited for this game. Like, I, I just genuinely think I'm going to wait until the next-gen version comes out, and then even after that, mm. and it starts to come down in price and all that kind of stuff. I don't know. You know, a lot of hype on that game has just really died away fast. Like, I hear no one talking about this game anymore. So, but yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting when they release it on the next you, gen. You've heard me talk about it. I know. Almost as long. Am I nobody to you? We could have had an impression <laughs> it was so long. Um, yeah, no, it'd be interesting to see if you if you stick with it and finish it. Uh, of yeah, because yeah, I've heard. Well, no, I mean, just like for now, or are you just going to pause and come back to it later type of thing? But yeah, because I, I just hear mixed feelings about when people finish the game. So I'm just really keen to hear what you think about that. All right, well, let's jump into the news, boys. Is Starfield an Xbox exclusive? Are you clickbaiting people? <laughs> it's not clickbait. Uh, so, crushing the hopes of PlayStation Bethesda fans, Jeff Grubb, uh, reporter for Venture Beat, and very <laughs> runs his mouth a lot on these streams as well, uh, has now reported. So, it's not as an opinion, but it's reported. Uh, that Starfield will be an Xbox and PC exclusive only. So the game revealed officially on the E3 2018. Uh, didn't have a platform at the time or even a release window. All we understood was that it's going to release before Elder Scrolls VI. Um, and then, you know, from that period of time, there's been kind of just little little snippets of information, including uh, Phil Spencer at the Bethesda Roundtable just kind of reiterating their view on exclusives and that they want to deliver great exclusive games for you that ship on platforms where Game Pass exists. Uh, subsequent to this, Jason Schreier from Bloomberg has confirmed from his perspective, uh, and again, I take this as reporting rather than opinion, uh, that it will be shown uh, at the Microsoft slash Bethesda, but you'd think it's just the Microsoft hmm. E3 presentation, and uh, release date will be teased, but very unlikely is 2021. It looks like it's late 2022. I actually cool. did go back, boys, Let and check bake our, in the oven. Checked check our um, predictions for this year and just like what games we're hyped about. And we did actually mention, I, don't, I think none of us thought that Starfield was going to come out this year. So mm. we're on the money. Uh, well, that's, Swinney, cool. that's cool. As the RPG nutcase of, of the crew. Are you, are you sad that this is an Xbox exclusive? <laughs> As your icon is a, is an Xbox Series X. <laughs> I I'll restate what I what I've stated whenever we've talked about Bethesda and Microsoft. I'm sad that there will be less people that can be able to play the games mm. that they want to play. Yeah, same. So yes, I am. I st- but I'm not surprised. Yeah, so I I still feel like there's a chance that they'll make them ultra timed exclusives. So release them. By Ultra, Two to three I mean, years. Yeah. All right. So long after. Time frame. Okay. Yeah. 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 I don't yeah, know. I don't that, know. At that point, you know, are you still selling the console with that? And do people? Because I mean, the whole point of having it as an exclusive is to sell Game Pass, and it's to sell Xbox, right? Yeah. To get people and, drawn into that. But after three, four years of a game, like surely by that stage, you're like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and not get a console. Or I'd rather wait another three, four years to play a game, like. Most people will probably just, you know what I mean? Yeah, look, you know, and I hate saying this, and I can't remember everything I've said on it, but I probably have to admit I'm wrong. Like, hmm? so even when I said it, I, I was like what? choking. <laughs> I'm wrong. <laughs> um, you know, they are going down that Netflix route, which is, 
you know, Netflix originals just never come out on anything else, even mm-hmm. if Netflix isn't a big presence in that in that place, uh, in that country. Uh, yeah, and you look at Starfield and Elder Scrolls Six stuff like that. They just draw people into Game Pass. So you know, obviously, the argument will be get Game Pass on your console, and then yeah, you can have Starfield, right? That's one way to do it. So, and I, we're not we're gonna go into it later. I'm gonna do like a follow up on the Apple versus Epic. But there were some court documents that came out which were heavily redacted, but they were redacted in a really weird way where it was obvious that they were talking about Microsoft and Nintendo in commercial negotiations. And then you look at it and you think, well, what are they going to negotiate about outside of Game Pass? Like, there surely wouldn't be anything. So, yeah, that would be a really interesting E3 announcement if, if Game Pass is coming to the Switch. Um, but yeah, yeah, it looks like they are shutting up ship, Swinney, and uh, your beloved Xbox... Might be uh, having a go back at at PlayStation. It might become like 360 versus PS3 all over again. I'd be interested to see what happens with the Indiana Jones game being made by Machine Games Mm. that's being headed up by Todd Howard. Because if you think about that property, the I don't know technically who owns Indiana Jones these days. Does anyone know? Like any studios, film studios, or anything? I think it's, it's Disney, isn't it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure where that sits, but surely... No, no, it's, would... it's Disney because Indiana Jones is part of Lucasfilm. Okay. Surely Disney wouldn't want that uh, a new Indiana Correct. Jones to be exclusive to Xbox. Yeah, you'd have to make it multiplayer. I mean, and we've even seen stuff that was single platform being pushed into multiplayer with uh, MLB The Show. So mm. I, I, I'm the same as you. I feel like that was a deal that was done a while back as well. That's not a recent deal. So... Why would they have made a deal that says you can only go on Xbox? I just, yeah, I think I, maybe that's where all the debate and confusion's coming from, like Phil Spencer's comments, you know, because he, he, he's sort of been always been saying, yeah, exclusives, but, you know, we do need to look at it at a case-by-case basis and honor contracts and stuff. So mm. I, I agree. I think the Indiana Jones game is going to be on multiplayer. But yeah, like Elder Scrolls Six is going to be the big one. If they say that just- is Xbox only, that's going to be pretty nuts. Just a you know, a word of advice, and I don't say this with any glee whatsoever. Like no joke. <laughs> like outside of the fact that you know, as a joke, we've got me as an Xbox, and obviously my main platform is an Xbox these days. Only I think oh, I play Switch. I play PC. Um, just set you don't set yourself up for disappointment. At this point onwards, mm. the to me the assumption is that any Bethesda game is exclusive to Xbox PC. To me. I agree with that. I agree with that. So just like, and if it goes the other way, then then that's then that's good news, obviously. Like, but to me, it's like, yeah. I just think to go through this like game after game, like the next Wolfenstein or the next Fallout. Like, I think at this point we should assume that's going to be the case. Yeah, you know, but it is weird though to me because I feel like Wolfenstein would be really weird to be Xbox exclusive, whereas you know some of the bigger titles not so much. Like, I wouldn't be so shocked with Fallout. Elder Scrolls, Starfield being exclusive, whereas Wolfenstein, I don't know, it's a bit like Doom. Like, you just feel like it would be on everything. Yeah. Like, but Doom being exclusive, like Doom 3, you know, which is a weird title, but, you know, like that being exclusive to Xbox and PC, man, that that feels really weird to me. It also feels, uh, obviously, just from a consumer perspective, such a backward step of having those games available or the previous 
versions of those games available and then mm. a new, new title comes out and people can't play it on a particular platform but i mean that's that's an acquisition, that's acquisition i know buddy. i know i know yeah. it's all about that it's just ultimately i think yeah it just sucks for the consumer really it sucks for people who don't want to fork out extra money for a second console that they don't really need you know what i mean not everyone's in a privileged position to get both or there's not even any stock even if you did want to be able to get both so (laughs) the last thing i just wanted to say on this before we move on to the next story is just i'm actually now interested is there going to be xbox game pass exclusive games where a game comes out and it only is available on game pass I could see a game like a Sea of Thieves style mm. game, possibly. Mm. Um, but I mean, it's probably not much more work to have something on Game Pass and also as a full retail download. You know, so mm. I think I think you could potentially see some free to play shared world live service game or something like that. Mm. Something small. Yeah, I guess you test that with something small and just see how how people feel about it. If they get too offended by it. All right, let's move on to our next story. WB Games. So back in the news with Axios's uh, good reporting on WB Games, but it was really the reporting around AT and T and Discovery. So AT and T had really pushed hard. So that's the the Telstra equivalent in the states. Uh, very big on telecommunication, mobiles, connections, internet connections, all that kind of stuff. They pushed into media. Uh, so they had Discovery and a whole host of other uh, outlets. HBO is one as well. Uh, and obviously they have not been able to realize the benefits of that, uh, acquisition and merger. Uh, I think it was about three years ago from memory and with, with Warner brothers, yeah, with Warner brothers. Exactly. So they are now breaking it up and they're breaking it up in a really weird way. Uh, so this is a essentially like a joint venture that they're doing with discovery. And although they will own the majority of it, AT&T, AT&T they are giving the power to it, to discovery. So it's, it's like a really unique one where it's almost like we we don't know, we have no taste is almost what they're saying. We don't know how to create shows or drive things like that and create, you know, capital out of that. But we have a lot of money and control. <laughs> so we'll give you the, you you be the tastemaker, Discovery. <laughs> we'll get the benefits of it. It's like genuinely a little bit like that is what's happening now. Um, and it's, it, honestly, I've been following it and there's a lot of news stories about it. The thing is, you know, we see it with Microsoft, right? You know, Xbox is such a small component of Microsoft. They don't really even legally need to disclose that much about the Xbox business because it's such a small piece of the pie for Microsoft, right? Just crazy when you think about it. Yeah. Whereas PlayStation, because it's such a big part of Sony, they need to actually go deeper in their financials for investors and for like the market purposes. So to the point where they're actually saying, this is how much we're making Mm. in these divisions and all this other kind of stuff, right? And there's a bit of a parallel here where they don't, they barely even mention that they own video game studios that make some of the best games going around. It's almost like an afterthought. It's like, ah, whatever. We're in in some other assets. I think it was literally just included in other uh, Warner Brothers Interactive. So so those studios. Yes. Can we maybe explain some of them? Yeah, so Rocksteady, so the Arkham series, uh, NetherRealm, Mortal Kombat, uh, Monolith, Shadow of Mordor, uh, and then the Lego Star Wars and Avalanche with Hogwarts, which is, you know, already in trouble as as it is. Um, Yeah, and, and... you know, there's, there is actually mixed reporting about this, Swinney. So I was reading, like, so much about it. Some are now saying all of the game studios will be going across to Discovery. 
and then others are saying it'll be broken up a bit. I think, you know, normally what happens with these type of JVs, joint ventures, they'll they'll pick apart parts of it. And it's also like they signal to the market. And then if you're, you know, for whatever reason, if, you know, you were saying this before, Swinney, if, if you're a PlayStation and maybe you want a first party fighting game, do you pick up the phone and go, hey, can we buy NetherRealm and make Mortal Kombat an exclusive to PlayStation? Well, this is interesting to me because um, back on our very first episode, the episode with about 50 different segments. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was um, awesome. <laughs> we actually talked about the fact that Microsoft were interested in potentially buying WGP mm. games at the time. Uh, now, that could be completely all out the window now, but to me, if I was Microsoft, and if they were looking to potentially pick apart this group of studios, that I'd be looking at NetherRealm. You know, like that would be like the number one out of that for me if I was Microsoft. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think, um, you know, they need to push harder into the fighting game space. They have almost conceded that ground to PlayStation. Like, it shocks me still that uh, Street Fighter V isn't available on Xbox. Like, that's not a game historically in my mind, Street Fighter, as being a single platform type mm. of game. Um, you know, I know this is not related, but playing Control and loving Alan Wake, man, Microsoft should just buy Remedy, man. Like, what the hell are they doing? Like, they could just spit out 10 out of 10 games, and they need that kind of stuff. At, well, at inter- interestingly, um, I think it was even last week, this week, did Tencent just get a very small um, stake in Remedy? Yeah, it's well... like a 1.5% or something. I think like they're doing that of every studio, right? Yeah. Really Putting in the, like, Chinese... Yeah. Uh, you know, firewall into their games. But, um, yeah, so uh, I, I do get nervous about this because, you know, we'll, we'll touch base on it later when I talk about Press Reset, uh, the Jason Schreier book, which is all about, you know, studios making great games, but, you know, having a lot of turmoil behind the scenes and at the executive level and the money level. Um, you know, we've already seen that Rocksteady, there's been some delays in some of the games that, you know, we're all looking forward to. Um. Yeah, it's it's a tough one, man. I'm, I'm. It feels like there's a bit of a cloud over all of these games, apart from what's going on with Mortal Kombat. I mean, that's roaring back into the charts due due to the movie that got released. Like Mortal Kombat 10 was back in the top 10 PlayStation 4 games wow. uh, the other week. So, well, it's also potentially going to have a bit of a, a boom when it hits uh, like Evo time as well. So. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on this. Like, I'm really keen to see if other people come in and try to pick up some of these studios. And, you know, like Rocksteady feels like that should be a bit of a target, surely. They've just got such a history of making awesome games. But I guess if you're buying them, you'd be wanting to buy, like, the lot, right? At that stage, you're buying such a big component of it. Hmm. All right, let's move into the next news story. Time Splitters is back. Do you want to take this, Swinney? Yeah, I'll take it. So we had this week uh, a very surprise announcement. Um, I don't know if there was any previous uh, reporting leading up to this, but Deep Silver announced that they're bringing back the cult classic Time Splitters franchise, uh, headed up, and this is honestly probably the most surprising part of this, by a reformed free radical design. Mm. So if anybody's not familiar with the Time Splitters franchise, and I don't blame anyone because the last game in the series is probably older than a lot of our listeners. <laughs> um, in 1999, members of the uh, GoldenEye 007 and Perfect Dark teams in Rare, uh, including um, some key people by the name of Steve Ellis and David Doak, they left Rare to form Free Radical Design. 
and Time Splitters was the first game that they put out, and it was developed by 18 people. They made three games in the series, so the first game, Time Splitters, came out in 2000, was on PS2. I remember there was a huge hype when that game came out because it was basically like the PS2's got its golden eye was the kind of the thing that people were mm. pushing at the time. Uh, Time Splitters 2, which went multi-platform two years later for PS2, GameCube, and Xbox, which is a game that I fondly uh, love and picked that up for GameCube. And Time Splitters Future Perfect, which came out three years after that for also for PS2, GameCube, and Xbox. And at that point, um, the series went dormant. So Time Splitters 4 was in development for about a year, around 2008, 2009. Uh, by Free Radical Design, but they couldn't find a publisher. The project was put on hold. Free Radical Design went into administration uh, and were bought out by Crytek. And at that point, the project was, yeah, printed, essentially cancelled. And there's been a lot of small buzz here and there about when, um, you know, it Timesplitters franchise or the IP has changed hands a few times since then when we could potentially see another game in the in the franchise and we're here now so they've uh, this will be the first uh, new game in the series since that 2005 uh, game and the new free radical design will be headed up by the founders of the original yeah, awesome. so steve ellis david doke um which is fantastic um and there's there may be more people involved as well but they're two of the names that i'm seeing uh confirmed out there uh but Work on the sequel is actually yet to start, so it's going to be a while away. Obviously, they just really wanted... The fact that they're putting together a new studio, you know, as soon as Free Radical Design reformed, people will be like, wait, what's happening? So they need <laughs> to get out there ahead of it. Uh, so there's no platforms or release date confirmed yet. But yeah, I'm super pumped about this. I love Time Splitters too. Um, for anyone that's curious about what kind of game it is, I mean, obviously, it's a first-person shooter, but... They got really creative. It's a very tongue-in-cheek. Um, the name itself, Time Splitters, mean, meant that each level they could be in a new time period and with different kinds of weapons. Like I remember in number two, one of my favorite levels was like set in like a gangster era, Chicago, <laughs> I think it was, and you had like a Tommy gun and stuff. And it was also really, really well regarded for its multiplayer, just like you'd consider based on the legacy of you know uh, Goldmine that. And I know with Time Splitters 2, you actually had a level creator, so you could make your own multiplayer maps. And in the GameCube era, that was that was That's really cool, unique. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's kind of a, a feature that has kind of died out. I know there's some, obviously on the PC, people do this stuff all the time, but in the console space, mm. um, there's not that many games. You know, like I know the Far Cry games have done this stuff, and obviously Halo, uh, and I think Doom had uh, the new Doom games as well, at least the, the first Doom reboot. But so I hope they bring all that stuff back. Um, this could this could potentially be a really really good um, yeah a really really cool um, I guess multiplayer experience for people as well. So yeah, really really great news. It's one of the one of those bright spots in the week. Do you like? Oh man, Tyson <laughs> is coming back. That's great. <laughs> well, I mean, coming back. This is given that they're announcing this. This is about trying to get people in the team and get people who. Like you said, I guess maybe grew up on it and are now at you know graduate plus age, you know, and they're sort of like, oh my god, I could play, I could be developing Time Splitters Four. How cool is that? So this is like three to four years away, you'd say. Oh yeah, yeah. like easily. Um, but it's just, it's just great to, it's great to have stuff to look forward to. Um, I'm kind of surprised, maybe because it was talked about maybe the need for it for the hiring, but this would have been a fantastic E3 announcement. I don't know if a Deep Silver or I think uh, Kosh Media or Cock Media or whatever they're called um, 
I don't know if they've got any plans at E3. I haven't confirmed mm. that, but this would have been an amazing E3 announcement to make. So I, I don't know how people are taking to these teaser, like, title teasers, where it's like, basically, hey, this is actually three to four years away. I don't mind it, personally. But... Yeah, just don't yeah, get our hopes up. I mean, can you see how excited Swinney is for this? <laughs> if Deep yeah, Silver screw though. this up, I just, I don't know... If, yeah, but he's realistic. He knows it's three to four years away, so well, not many other people are. Like people... three to four years away if it doesn't, you know, nothing else happens. <laughs> I'd see all these people talking about Elder Scrolls Six. It's like, oh, is that coming out this year or next year? I'm like, whoa, oh, are you insane? I saw, <laughs> like, I saw a comment about Starfield. There's people like, why is this game taking so long? Just chuck spaceships in Fallout. <laughs> 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 I wonder if they're going to redo the entire engine, though. As in, I don't think they're going to keep using the same engine, right? Are they... Right, all right. We're going with they're, they're, we're yeah, we've little... got to clarify. Are we now talking about Starfield again? <laughs> no, we're talking about time <laughs> no, splitters. <laughs> so just with time <laughs> splitters, I have to say, like, this game totally passed me by. But watching the footage, it's so crazy how... You know, like Perfect Dark slash GoldenEye it is. Oh, yeah. It's so but insane. It's the like... very first... The very first level of Time Splitters 2 was basically like a love letter to Goldeneye. <laughs> it was set in like, a, it wasn't like the dam, but it was basically, this is the Goldeneye level. Yeah. It's the first level of the game. That's so funny. It really does feel like almost a knockoff, but then you go, oh, it's all the team. So it's not, it's yeah. just them. So, And look, Free Radical, they went on to make games like Haze um, and Second Sight, that especially Haze was not a well-received game. Mm. So it's not like the everything they touched was gold. Um, but people did love the Time Splitters games. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get on to our next bit of news. And oh, this is this is right in my heating zone, but I'm <laughs> I'm gonna have a hard time defending it. So, new amiibo was announced. <laughs> it's the year of amiibo. I love it. Uh, so, Skyward Sword has got a new beautiful amiibo. So it's Loftwing and Zelda. Uh, very expensive amiibo. So this is like at the upper end of amiibo. It doesn't look that big. Like, and it's quite sick that I can look at an amiibo and go, yeah, I know what size that is. It's a, you know, it looks a bit smaller than a, a Detective Pikachu amiibo, but about the same price. Um, and, you know, I was really excited about this. And then people started to trawl through and reading the footnotes on, on the page and everything like that. And people discovered that what's... And so I ordered this, by the way. I didn't know anything about this amiibo. I saw it come up, bang, I ordered it. And I was like working that day and I was really busy actually. But in between meetings, I ordered it. Bang, I got it. And then, you know, the news starts trickling out uh, that this amiibo has functionality that's locked to this amiibo. No other amiibo, no other Zelda amiibo even, mm-hmm. uh, can use this functionality. And the functionality is one of the core problems that people have with Skyward Sword, which is that there's a lot of backtracking. It's very difficult to fast travel. And this amiibo enables you to be able to go between Skyloft and different locations in the game. And the way that I understand that it works, Winnie, is that when you activate the amiibo, it's kind of like you're putting a flag in the ground, you go to Skyloft, and then you go back to where you put the flag in the ground. It's not like fast travel anywhere in the world, from what I understand, Swinney. Um, yeah, I, yeah, and the big part out of this is the fact you can do it out of dungeons yes that's anywhere pretty right. much they're saying yeah, yeah probably not boss fights but yeah in dungeons even so what do you guys make of that so like yeah like first i'll, I'll go and then i'll throw to swinney but like i think this is a terrible idea 
right? And uh, this is someone who ha- will get the Amiibo. I've already ordered it. I'm going to mm. get it, right? So it's not going to impact me personally. Well, what, what, why do you mean terrible idea from a gameplay perspective? A terrible, terrible idea to have this physical thing that adds such a big change to the game, almost. Yeah, look, like I it, look, it's it's become like. Um, Physical DLC, right? Well, it like, is. It's exactly physical DLC. Yeah. And it's That's so it. bad that, you know, normal folk are like, oh, I'm just going to go on eBay and order a NFC coin, which is like a pirated version of Amiibo. You can get ones where it's just the NFC's coded on a coin or right. a piece of paper or something. It, look, the only other time where they've done this where it's like, I've also said this is like not right is, and this is a deep cut, but when uh, Metroid Samus Returns came out for the 3DS... Mm. They had these awesome Metroid Amiibo. They're like genuinely some of the best Amiibo. I don't know if you've seen them, Swinny. Um, like it was a Metroid breaking out of its 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 uh, case. Yeah, and, absolutely. And then Samus as well. Oh. Now those Amiibo actually unlocked the fusion difficulty in Samus Returns. Oh. Okay. And also like some of the suits and stuff. And it's like, dude, why did you do that? That's like core functionality to the game. That's in the game, but you've locked it behind an amiibo, which, by the way, was really hard to get. Like, I, I've got that one, obviously, but like that one was tricky to get, and they did humble brag. No, but I, <laughs> like, no, because I just pick them up when they come out, right? But it's so weird with Nintendo. It's like with the Metroid ones, they released only a few. Like, even on the day it, got, it came out, it was sold out already. Uh, um, yeah, I, th- I find that's a dick move. I think if it is a dick if move. it's cosmetic stuff, yeah, whatever, fair enough. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of get that. It's it's all good. But if it's it's gameplay mechanics or core parts of the game, it's getting into some really weird territory. Yeah, and, and just quickly on that. So what, what's been happening is with some of the latest Amiibo they've been releasing, they have been introducing almost like like easy modes or like bonuses to the game where it makes the game easier. That's what I've been noticing, right? Okay. And I think what's happened is... You know, for them, because you've got to remember, Nintendo are a really different company to, like, a lot of Western companies. Mm. I think they just look at it and go, eh, it's just, like, you know, an easy mode. Like, why would you want to walk back and forth? Like, that's cheating, Yeah, right? you just pay for an easy mode, because literally yeah. that's what you're doing. You're paying for it. And no one's been complaining about, like, these kind of, like, bonuses that you get making the game easier. Like, no one's really ever complained about it in the latest Amiibos that have been coming out. But this one, I think because it's sort of like goes to a big problem that people have with this game that, you know, it's very hard to get around. And if you want a hundred percent to, there's a hell of a lot of backtracking that this just expedites the backtracking, then becoming a, you want to get it. And it's already sold out in a lot of places, this Amiibo, like in the world. So it's just like, oh, you're blocking it. And then people can't even get it. It's like, like for, for instance, you know, like Monster Hunter Rise, when it came out, had Amiibo. It's just like, um... It, I, I can't remember the name for it in the game, but it's essentially uh, like skins for your armor, but it doesn't actually add any attributes. Mm, the so. cosmetic stuff, yeah. Cosmetic, yeah. So what, what were you Sweet. about to say, Swinny? Yeah, yeah, so look, I hate this idea. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. So I'm just getting up front. This is, I think this is an asshole move. But with Skyward Sword, I never, I don't remember that being an issue because the areas are so bloody small. Mm-hmm. Like, this is not like a tr- traditional Zelda game no. where you've got, like, some big world. You're going down to specific areas that are pretty damn small. They're right. full of stuff. But, um, so, I, look, the may, maybe outside the dungeon, like, if you get an item in the dungeon, you're okay, or you get something, like, oh, I need to go back to Skyloft to upgrade my staff or anything like that. 
But it's weird to me that I just, I never saw that as an issue in this particular game. Um, I could see it in other Zelda games mm. where being able to fast travel anywhere, but just the size of this game to me just meant that it was never a problem. So it's it's weird. Maybe maybe I'm just misremembering. It's been a long time since I played it. Um, so I think also like you're pretty good at games and you've got a very organized mind when it comes to games. So you've probably so that negates my point. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm not saying negates your point, but I'm saying that you may not have run against the issues where people have gone. Ah, oh, I've done. I haven't picked up something, or I haven't done the right thing, and I have to go all the way back now because I've stuffed up. You know, because I've heard a hell of a lot of people say that they've experienced in their experience, right? Um, a lot of backtracking in Skyward Sword, and that was almost like oh, the biggest frustration they had with it. So that's fair enough. I just wonder if will this lead to an amiibo percent speedrun category where you need the amiibo to be able to do the fast traveling. Oh, definitely. Um, <laughs> they already do that with <laughs> yeah, Breath of the probably, Wild. Yeah. yeah. They have that with Breath of the Wild. They have like Amiibo mm. and then no Amiibo, which is kind of funny for me. But um, yeah, you know, I'm really, it's kind of annoying because I feel like this is like the biggest Amiibo news that we've had. <laughs> and it's like, because it sucks. But the Amiibo looks amazing. I mean, you guys would admit that, right? Do you think it looks good? It's okay. I don't know yeah, the characters. So I can't comment. You don't know Zelda? Well, it's weird because... Normally, I like. I, normally, I thought he dresses in green. So that's. I was really confused, but I'm assuming it's not you the idiot. bird that Zelda. Zelda's the other one. So if you if you're wondering why you can't hear Mike on the podcast anymore, I've now got a button. Uh, he's not aware of this, but he he's actually been deleted on the video feed as well, and he's uh, gone. Apologies, uh, viewers. I I've got a written apology. Uh, Mike's Ow. views does not uh, represent the views of Big Week and Gaming Podcasts. Uh, <laughs> We have a, a, a one DP policy, a, a one dickhead policy, I which kid, is uh, Mike is the one dickhead on the policy. <laughs> our intro, our intro last week, our mic-free intro was a trial. It was period. an experiment. Just, and, uh, yeah. uh, it was yeah. well received. Uh, viewer numbers went through the roof. Uh, rave comments. Mike still can't Ooh. hear us, but uh... <laughs> all right. Well, I'm picking up this amiibo. I like it. It looks cool. I'm, you know. It's quite disgusting. I looked at how much I spent on this new Skyward Sword game. I'm like, whoa, what the yeah, hell? Did you end up buying the the, the steel steel box one and the Joy Cons? Yeah, everything. And the, oh, whoa, we one of the worst Zelda games. Wow, wee. Whoa, look at this! One of the worst Zelda games. Terrible take. Terrible take. This is an Odyssey. Take. That's all right. You didn't spend four hundred fifty dollars on that, a copy of a that Cyberpunk. That is not an Odyssey take. Just... <laughs> no, no. Popular opinion is Mike that this. Rivals maybe Zelda 2 as the worst Zelda of all time. Oh, damn. Okay. So, yeah. It's a... I don't know. I'm looking, I really liked it when I was playing it on the Wii U. Oh, so. I actually did like the game. I'm, not, I'm just giving a crap. I'm just giving a crap. I just think people hate motion, and I don't like motion either, but this doesn't have motion if you don't want it, so... I'm super Motion was the least of its problems, in my opinion. But that's that's. Let's talk about that when the game. Comes <laughs> all right, out. let's let's talk about another game. That's a great game. All right. <laughs> Next bit of news: My friend Peppa Pig is yes! announced, and finally, Swinney, yes! Swinney is taking over. <laughs> go, go. You don't on, understand Swinney. how long we waited for this game. Okay, so I'm just going to set the scene. You know what stories we're going to cover this week? It's like okay, oh this this got announced, and Intergot says we got our headliner boys for the week. My friend Peppa Pig was announced. I would have just ignored that article when I was when I was born. But <laughs> as punish as punishment for the for the bad joke, we're going to cover the new My Friend Peppa Pig game. Hey, wait, okay, because you're un- you're revealing the inner workings of Bigwig. 
uh, headquarters, you didn't want to cover Starfield, but you did want to cover Peppa Pig. And I thought you were like trolling me. No, I genuinely yeah, thought. I was no, undecided. No on joke, listeners. He had Peppa Pig in the run sheet and he didn't have Starfield. I'm like, is this guy lost the plot? <laughs> Do I, I need to I remove him as editor in chief? I was with him. <laughs> I, I was totally backing him up. Okay, so my friend Peppa Pig is coming. Q3 2021 for PC, PS4, Switch, and Xbox One. Nice. So I've heard a lot of conflicting reports about this particular piece of information. Mm -hmm. So if we need to do a correction next week. But I believe the game is being developed by Bandai Namco. (laughs) No, it's not. What are you, idiot? What are you talking about? No, I'm not joking. (laughs) Developed by Bandai Namco and published by Outright Games in the US. (laughs) No, it's not. What do you mean? No, it's not. What do you mean? Tra- Why trailer- is Bandai Namco making this? Uh, check it. The trailer is on the official Bandai Namco YouTube. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, yeah. But they're a publisher yeah. as well. Yes. So this is they're not developing the conf- Peppa Pig. Buddy. Uh, no. So no. This is conflicting information because they're outright game. Hey, Intergod. Intergod. Let Go me on, sorry, finish. Sorry, sorry. So there are reports saying that Bandai Namco is the actual developer, but it's being published by outright game. I don't know why you're laughing about this. They're just, just they're a developer. Um, so, but outright <laughs> games are known for publishing a lot of family friendly games like Transformers <laughs> and Adam's Family, and actually a game I really like called oh. RP, uh, an RPG uh, for Adventure Time called Pirates of the Enchiridion. Oh. Um, so, yeah, so there's, look, there's, I'm going to wait to see what ends up on the bloody box of this thing because, like, there's, it's, it's hard to nail down exactly who the exact developer is on that. Um, but anyway, so rather than playing Peck and Peek yourself, you know, players will make their own animal friend. Animals. Oh, that's kind of cool because it's going to be yeah. a character yeah. creator. And exactly. <laughs> and you can visit iconic locations like the snowy mountains, the forest, the beach, and Potato oh, City. That's the best. Pl- I love the Potato theme City. Pa- the potato themed theme park. I don't you know can what ride. About. You can ride the potato rocket. You can visit the dinosaur park. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I'm pumped. Some of the but enemies the main, on that level wait, are, we, like, are really difficult, a, though. I heard. Is this an elaborate troll? And I'm like no, not on board with this. No, no this is no, not I a troll. Go to, this is. I want to go to Potato I City, too, baby. Yeah. Take me down right. to Potato City, where the grass is green and the pigs are pretty. <laughs> Keep going. All right, Take all right, all right, boys. All right, I've already okay, discovered. Okay, okay. This is not made by Bandai Namco. Like, obviously, okay. obviously, it's not made by Bandai Namco. Like, from the start, I said, this is yeah, not Yeah, why is it on their official Yeah, YouTube but there's, re- there's reports saying out there that it is. Mm. So, it, what information have you found? This is on the yeah, official Peppa Pig Outright Games uh, site. It mm. says that this is published by Outright Games yeah, Limited. And then it goes, developed by Patoons Studio Limited. Okay. Thank you for finding that because there's this a lot of information two minutes to find. Well, two minutes is a long time on, on, on the internet world. Not everyone has <laughs> yes. two, two minutes to look for this kind of information. So, uh, but the the main reason I wanted to cover the, this, my friend Peppa Pig, right? Yeah. Is I, I've got a, I'm, I'm, make, I'm making a challenge here. Okay. Yeah. To what is now called, what, Patoon, Petunia Games, is it? Pat- uh, Patoons. Patoons. Patoons Games, right. <clears throat> Do you have the balls? <laughs> Shit. Do you have the cojones? <laughs> To make hot coffee pep- content, <laughs> to make Peppa Pig in 3D. Oh, of course not. But wait, because mm. 
How do you do Peppa Pig in 3D? Well, it'll be like Paper Mario. No, no. I'm That's saying a 3D, 3D version of Peppa Pig. No, no, Pig. no. It's like it's, it's a 2D character in a 3D world. No, that's not... That, that, <laughs> that negates my whole challenge. No, it's, uh, a, it's okay. one of the worst takes. I love it. We need to, we need to see. <laughs> we need to see what Peppa Pig looks like in 3D because okay. how do you do the eyes? How do you do the eyes, <laughs> people? The snout. How, yeah, I guess the no, snout so, the eyes. All I can... It's like the... Peppa Pig is like... Cro- or was it what's what's that boss in Super I don't think it's that, that as hard as you think it is, Swinney, to be honest. I don't but know. But there's two eyes on know. the same side of their face. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's like How all cartoon characters, that? bro. <laughs> like what are you talking about? Oh Peppa Pig is like the iconic two eyed face uh, mascot. I, okay? I don't know, man. I'd probably say uh so the Simpsons do- are. How do you do... No, but they Simpsons, look weird we, front on. We lo- yeah, we proved a long time ago how Simpsons <laughs> were working 3D. That's what I want these guys to do. I'm glad you brought it up. I was going to mention that. <laughs> they, they, Let's prove how Peppa Pig can work in 3D. Do they have the balls to do it? Yes, yeah. that's the whole point. And I, wanted to and I want Dark Souls combat. <laughs> that's exactly what I want. I want Potato City to be the equivalent of... And Blytown. No, and Potato City. Potato City is Blytown, okay? Right. Okay, fine, Blytown. You know what I also Town. want? I want Sony to pick this up as an exclusive so they can combat Microsoft Starfield. Oh, shit. Boy. This is okay. going to be huge. So that's my challenge. They're not going to do it. They're going to. They don't have the ball. Do, do we even have any 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 <laughs> knowledge of what the gameplay is like? Is it going to be an RPG? Is it going to be a Battle Royale game? Oh, what is it going to be? Is it going to be. Uh, car combat, maybe car combat. Pepper Pig can get in, in the car and blast. <laughs> All right. Why does she so, blast in the game? I think I think oh, it's clear. No, to ev- this is getting way off track. I think it's clear to everyone that uh, she, right? none of us are big Pepper Pig fans, but I do want to go to Potato. Oh, look, I've watched yeah. the most Pepper Pig out of all of us because you of probably my have because of your kids. Yeah, geez. no joke. <laughs> I have literally watched episodes. Man. Oh, and another challenge. I and you didn't want to talk about this. Yeah, exactly. No, well, you probably have the most knowledge on this. I do. Can I? I, I also want, want to, to challenge this. challenge the developers to make sure that that they include whatever elements they can of of ray tracing. I think it's the perfect <laughs> perfect synergy between between a game that could benefit from something like like RT. And <laughs> let's not forget DLSS support. I did read somewhere on their website. Can you can you just confirm? Can you go on their website now that you have it into God and confirm that they also have DLSS support? Because I believe that's rumor on the street. He's not going to do that. They're yeah. including I, that too. I'm just checking. So, like, even the right. studio actually posted that they're making it. Yeah, oh, I yeah. believe With you. DLSS Once you found support. it, I believe you. That's why I've outright said there's conflicting reports. About I just it. like how you actually thought there's a possibility that Bandai Namco. <laughs> Because there's a lot of reports out there saying that. Yeah, but just, dude, if freaking reports were saying Maybe. that Nintendo are making Crash Bandicoot, would you just take it as news and gospel? Critical eye, buddy. Who owns, Critical eye. Who dude, owns you want me to spend though? more? You want me to spend more time yes. researching Peppa Pig? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. So I like how, like, I'm looking at, uh, but this is kind of not right because this is actually published games. I was trying to pull up the list of... Bandai, Bandai Namco games, and I just look at the bottom. It's got like Elden Ring and stuff like that, and then Peppa Pig would be the the, the other one right next to it. But I can't find that this. They're, pub- games. they're publishing, no, but they're publishing it in some regions. So yeah, and don't get me wrong, like Bandai Namco can make a game that isn't clicking. Let's just say like uh, Metroid um, Project M and 
You know, also... No, that wasn't Ben on Nemco. That's Koei Tecmo. Oh, really? Oh, I take yep. that back. Oh, sorry. Um, well, uh, Metroid. Metroid Prime 4 was taken off them recently yep. as well. So, yeah. All right. Well, geez, we spent like 20 minutes on Peppa Pig. Uh, you got and your wish, sweetie. I'm very happy about it. And, and let's continue. Let's continue the theme on insane show topics. Then <laughs> the final piece of news is Gucci cross Roblox. And by the way, how do you guys say Roblox? Exactly Roblox, how you just yeah, exactly. okay. Is that the correct way to say it? I don't know. Okay. How else? Could, how else could you potentially say Roblox? Know. You just know when you get old, you say names wrong. That's part of the you know being shafted as you get older. Anyway, go on. Oh, so all right. So I'll take this because I'm the only one that's insane enough to actually uh, cover this topic. So in one of the most bizarre marketing mashups ever, Gucci has released a digital Gucci Garden experience within Roblox. Now, I actually found out about this from a colleague at work that shared it and said, hey, look at this weird thing that's happened. And I'm like, Gucci and Roblox, I just, the first thing that came to my head is what the hell? And the second was, I got to try this. So... <laughs> I'll get to my my impressions in a second, but the experience aims to replicate the physical Gucci Garden archetypes exhibit that they have in Florence, Italy, within Roblox itself. That could be interesting. And upon entering the and and just to pause you, do you want to explain what Roblox is? No, (laughs) because I would do not do it. That's partly why I want you to explain it. Go explain it. Explain it. I I do not do not know. All I know is I had to download a Roblox Roblox client to be able to play this for free. Um, And once entering the (laughs) the digital Gucci Garden, your avatar becomes a faceless mannequin, and you explore different themed rooms. While an admittedly very cool vaporwave soundtrack plays in the background of each area. Um, So while it is free to download and play. Um, there are digital Gucci <laughs> items that players can purchase with Robux, which is Robux digital currency. I was learning a lot doing this. <laughs> and you can put them on your, your avatars, like Gucci bags and things like that. And my impression from going through this was that it was just digital hell. It was <laughs> like I had entered something that shall not exist. It was like... I could see this as a part of a flashback in Event Horizon or something like that. It was just, it was just psychotic. Are we um, looking at your footage? No. Oh, okay. I, I there was part of me that went to <laughs> thought about recording some footage because if you type in Gucci and Robux in YouTube, oh my god, that <laughs> opens up a whole world that I just it's... look. I cannot, for the sake of me, understand. <laughs> Robux. Yes. Are you out of touch? I, well, it's like, isn't it like Second Life, or am I missing something? No, Robo- I, dude, Roblox is like rivaling like Minecraft, dude. It is. It's it is so a big. Plat- it yeah. is a platform that games and various digital experiences can be built in. But that's what I mean. I feel like it's it's like Minecraft had a baby with Second Life. There are some elements where I could understand where the Second Life thing comes hmm. from, but I also never experienced Second Life. Well, the Gucci never, thing looks like Second to. Life to me when I looked at it. I'm like, that looks like yeah. So Second Life. Look. The the thing that the question I have out of this whole thing is Why? who is this for? Children, this children, for? children, man, you got to get them young. The People experience does that. the experience does not feel like something made for, ch- for children. Did I just whatsoever. say children? You got to get them young. Sorry. 
Oh my god! I like um, uh, like in the you know B-roll. What I, mean? I don't know if you watch this B roll, Swinny. I'm like now watching like an ad or something, or like a movie. Oh no, it's actually in the Gucci experience. Yes. What the heck? So within the experiences, they have a lot of videos on the walls so of different creatives. It's weird. It's like a marketing showcase mm. of Gucci experiences. But the target audience just seems so weird. I mean, look, it I get so it. It's weird. really weird, it so but I get weird. why they would do it because it's the whole McDonald's model. You know, Correct. get them in when they're young, and then dolomites. You get them- you get them in for life. Exactly. Dolomite's what that Combank did. It's, it's I think the same you're principle. gonna see you're gonna see a lot more companies start to explore Roblox. Oh yeah. As, yeah, it's a, as it's a huge marketing an option for these digital activations. Bloody hell. Our kids not um, even safe from that crap nowadays. It's, just, it's <laughs> disgusting. It seriously Think is. about the children. <laughs> no, think about the children. Stop pumping them with advertising bullshit from an early age. It's ridiculous. But the thing, no, but the thing is that it's actually when you look at like their website, the blog articles and everything, I don't think this is targeted at children. Of course it is, Swinny. What are you talking about? The average no, age of a think... person is like nine on Roblox. No, but no, that's what I'm talking about. They're, I make think they're actually true. trying to expand it out to more people to experience these experiences. Now, obviously, no, children are going to be the primary but... thing, but there's people, there's adults out there running Roblox channels and all this stuff. Yeah, like, probably there, there are people pedos. that... Hey, looking no, 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 for no. children or something. Yeah, okay, let's let's start uh, let's start to chill, Mike. Yes, okay, let's okay, start right. to chill, Mike. So, like, I, let's not make accusations I know everyone plays Roblox. I know I that. Actually, don't think it's targeted at children. Of course, it is. I don't think it is because <sighs> if you read everything, read their copy, read their creative around this whole stuff, none of it is targeted at children whatsoever. Mm. It's really strange. I just don't understand. Well, it. hang on, but if you were a company trying to target children but you didn't want people to think you were targeting children of course you wouldn't say that you were targeting children why would gucci target children because they want to hook them in no but the point like, i don't think this is and that's why that's of course it is Swinny. i don't I like it i feel like you're gonna get offended what i'm gonna say but i think you're being very naive obviously no. there's rules in america you can't target advertising at children right that's rules against it in america it's very like vicious in the states more than any other country it's quite interesting actually um they'd be idiots gucci if they were like building it and then advertising it and trying to make it like oh this is for kids because they get so much attention i don't think it is what i think they've looked at what they've done is they Mm. wanted to create a digital experience to go alongside the physical exhibit and they looked at roblox as this huge platform that is blowing up yeah and they wanted to experiment with it because, like, this is a, this is very artsy and experimental. It's not just all commercial. It is very experimental. It's just it seems just it's just very bizarre. Um, it's I I really don't think it is. I think it's it's an artistic thing that they did alongside their other exhibit. I just it's think strange, there's so many other ways strange. to do that, but. I agree, I agree. Um, so, well, yeah, I, I do not recommend anybody check this out. <laughs> uh, I do not recommend anybody look this up on YouTube. I Too do late. not recommend this ever exists again. Roblox is a very weird place. I haven't visited it yet. Uh, uh, you know, a word that is going to be in our parlance, I think, in the next mm-hmm. five years, Tim Sweeney's big on it, uh, mm-hmm. is Metaverse. Mm-hmm. This idea of creating, a, you know, it's like Second Life, what you're saying, Mike, but... Just an interactive world. Um, Fortnite's a little bit like that because people do jump into Fortnite to watch concerts. You know, part of the plot of Episode Nine, Star Wars Episode Nine, was actually delivered through Fortnite. I don't know if you knew that, Mike. I did not know that. Yeah, one, and it actually made more, more sense than the movie. To watch that. 
It actually made more sense the movie if you had listened to that part in Fortnite, which is okay, ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Beyond, beyond belief where Star Wars has gotten to. Um, but hey, marketing. So, yeah, I think this whole metaverse thing, Swinney, is uh, going to be a huge thing. And mm. it's going to be interesting because, like, Fortnite and this does not appeal to me as a metaverse. So I feel like there's a bit of a gap in the market for something to come along, which is more for, like, old fogies like us to actually participate in this kind of metaverse yeah, type of thing. The Matrix. So. Okay, I've got it. Gucci, Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Hey. Elden Ring's actually a metaverse. <laughs> I'm on board. I'm past them, yeah. They might have, like, <laughs> Gucci backpacks or something in that game. <laughs> Gucci sword. Do a Gucci sword. <laughs> it's an umbrella or something. Made out of diamonds. <laughs> an umbrella. <All> right. <laughs> what, a, what a run of uh, stories. <laughs> Uh, it's toys, <laughs> Roblox, and Pepper Pig. All right, uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that uh, does us for the news this week, uh, and then we'll jump into my favorite segment of the week, the bargain bin uh, for the week commencing the twenty third or fourth. I can't remember what we usually go with because I think oh, my thing is deleted. Um, it's gone. So, as we do normally, start with Epic Games. We I did flag last week that. They were saying it's a mystery game, so it might be a big one, and it really was. Mm. So NBA 2K21, mm. which is the it latest version of... <laughs> Can I get through it, please, Winnie? <laughs> NBA 2K21. Um, so that's the latest Down NBA game. <laughs> All right, let me go again. <laughs> NBA 2K21, the latest NBA 2K game, is free this week until the 28th of May on the Epic Game Store. And they have another mystery game next week. So mm, keep our eyes out. Hopefully it's Shadow Complex. I missed that one. Uh, they also have the Epic Mega Sale. So in the States, it's $10 voucher over here in uh, Down Under. It's $15 dues. Uh, so you get a voucher. Every time you buy a game, you get another voucher. So basically infinite vouchers, really, because the only way they work. Uh, it's funny with this, because this is actually coming from Epic Games themselves. So the publishers and anyone who posts games on epic it doesn't cost them any money so it's you know they still get the full freight and it did cause a lot of issues when epic did this because they didn't tell anyone the first time they did this and Uh people were getting their games sold effectively for like five dollars and they weren't really happy with that because it does create a weird pricing with the general market um so you actually notice that some publishers have set their games to be a certain price point on epic game store which is like above or below the triggers for this. Ah. So the game needs to be like, I think it's twenty two ninety nine in Australia and above. Mm-hmm. And some people have put their game as like twenty two ninety five, so it doesn't qualify. <laughs> so there's lots of games in pricing that I always love. Uh, Nintendo Switch. So Nintendo Switch Online has had recent additions. Five more games bumping us up past 100 games for free as part of your Nintendo Switch online service, which I think, Mike, you're still on the back of my family membership. From I am. Thank you very much. Uh, Cave, no, we're obviously in the same family, by the way, Nintendo. Uh, Caveman Ninja, Joe and Mac on the SNES. Magical Drop 2 on the SNES. Super Baseball Simulator 1000 on the SNES. Spanky's... 1.000. <clears throat> thank you very much. Okay, I've got to pull you to the side, Swinney. Uh, <laughs> when you correct people, you've got to make sure you're correct, right? In baseball, you call it 1,000. It's uh, a term that refers to your batting average. And it's always called 1,000. Even though it's 1.000, it's 1,000. Just clarifying. Now, I want you to apologize and say you were wrong, Sweeney. 
No, I'm not going to apologize because <laughs> I'm, speaking incorrect for, correction. I'm speaking for the baseball fans out there. You're speaking for the baseball fans out there? No, I'd have to correct myself. I'm speaking <laughs> for the non-baseball fans out there. Can you correct yourself twice? <laughs> I already corrected myself before that. So, no, I'm not going to correct myself three times. That would put a hole in the universe. So. Okay. So, yes, you were wrong, Swinney. Don't correct me when I'm not cor- incorrect. Uh, Spanky's Quest on the SNES, which is a great game. Sounds like, yeah, right up Mike's alley. And Ninja Gaga Marukun. You know, I'm almost like, <laughs> you put this game in here, Sweeney, but you've actually worked with Nintendo to put a weird name in there. Ninja Gaga Marukun. Jaja Maru. Oh, is it Jaja? Jaja. Yeah, well, yeah, when do you ever use J as a G? Anyway, whatever. Oh, <laughs> it's it's taking way too long. Uh, too digital long. highlights. Ori and the Willow of the Wisps is twenty two fifty. What a bargain. 50% off until the 29th of May. PlayStation. Digital highlights. Uh, Cities Skylines is thirteen seventy five. All of these are until the twenty seventh of May. Metal Slug Anthology is seven dollars fifty. Great deal there. And Disney Afternoon Collection six dollars and twenty five cents. Wish that was on the Switch. Uh, two quick updates. Last of Us Part Two has gotten a sixty uh, FPS update. So great uh, time to play Last of Us Part Two. And Keep your eyes peeled this week because there's lots of activity around PlayStation. They will be having, at least in Australia, discounted PlayStation Plus subscriptions. So normally it's about 20% off. So it works out to be about 60 Australian dollars. So if you're about to renew, hold off and then pick up a couple and then you can roll it 60 bucks a year, which is a pretty good deal. Xbox, over to you, Swinney. Yeah, a few Game Pass edition highlights. So we have SnowRunner and Knockout City are available now on console and PC. And the one that probably most people are happy about, Maneater, uh, is mm. available. PC and console game pass available from 25th of May. That was a fun game. Was... Repetitive, but fun. It was free it was... on uh, PlayStation Plus. Yeah. yeah. So also some game pass removal lowlights. These are all leaving the 31st of May. So we've got both Kingdom Hearts HD collections um, on console game pass. That's a bit of a sore one for me because I was midway through one of them. But uh, terrible. It's just, yeah, there's so many, like... The completions on all that, it's just ridiculous. Like over 300 hours to complete them all. So, that's, <laughs> yeah, you're not going to be able to do that yeah. if you're starting from scratch. But uh, we also got Assetto a, a Corsa on console, Game Pass leaving, Survive, uh, Surviving Mars, Void Bastards, and Bro Force also leaving Game Pass. I should call that uh, Void Bastards as from an Australian studio. And it was very, mentioned in Press Reset, which is coming up very shortly, the review mm, of that book. Very, very well-regarded game, Void hmm. Bastards. Good team. All right, uh, let's get into our special features. Over to you, Swinney. Yeah, so this week I had a chance to test out uh, Bandai Namco's new action RPG uh, called Scarlet Nexus. So they released a demo on Xbox this week, uh, Xbox One specifically, and they are releasing it on the PlayStation platforms next week, the demo itself. Uh, the game is coming out the 25th of June, so it's a little bit to go. And this game, they've... They're calling this a brain punk RPG, which is a ridiculous term, but it's basically meaning it's the setting, the powers, the characters. It's all about like telekinesis and, you know, like using your mind to do stuff. Uh, so, yeah, this game is, is interesting. So I've kind of avoided a lot of news about this game because it kind of... It's shameful for me. It reminds me of the fact that I've yet to really delve into Code Vein, and I know Mike Mike feels the pain on that one. And this game, when you're looking at it, is very like oh, it looks like Code Vein in a lot of ways. But honestly, it doesn't play anything like Code Vein. So Code Vein is you like more like an anime Dark Souls style thing. 
this is very much uh, just a full-on, just action, regular action RPG. And honestly, I really, really enjoyed it. So the demo, what it gives you, gives you a combat tutorial. And it gives you then, when you, once after you finish the tutorial, you can skip the tutorial if you want. But trust me, don't skip it. You'll learn a lot about it. Um, you can choose between the two protagonists, uh, Yuito, who uses a sword, and Kasana, who uses like, floating daggers. And depending on which one you choose, then you get separate parties for the for the demo, which is one mission. I don't know if the mission itself is different because I only played through with Kasane. And this, yeah, so talking about the fact that this is an action RPG, it's got a big focus on combat. Like, this game is all about the combat. And it was... It's pretty wild. There's a lot going on. The mission itself was fairly linear, so you just run around... Sp- pretty small maps taking out enemies collecting items and then you face a boss um and some kind of mini bosses on the way uh, the structure of the game reminded me a lot of final fantasy type zero in in some ways like when you go on missions in that and i'm not a fan of that game but the moment to moment gameplay in that game was was pretty okay but this game the gameplay is really solid so it's but if anyone has played final fantasy type zero when you go into those missions with pretty small maps, um, with not a lot of, you know, alternate paths, or at least during the mission, I should say, uh, during, during the demo. Um, that gives you an idea. But yeah, combat, this well, is probably... Can I, can I just ask, because when you said Final Fantasy Type-0, and I'm like, yes, I've heard of that game before, and I was like Googling it. How, how did you play this game? This is on the PSP. Type Zero got HD remake on PS3 and, and Xbox 360. Oh. Sorry, no Xbox One. And yeah, PS3, they should sorry. have listed that on the Wikipedia page. It's not even listed. Interesting. Yeah. So um, yeah, with uh, with the combat, this is where I've probably got the most to say because that's what this the demo is. It's really just showing you the combat. It's very fast paced, and it involves like chaining regular attacks with telekinesis attacks, like picking up items in the environment. Kind of, kind of think control a little way. Mm. Um, it's very much okay. You'll see icons on all the different like, oh, there's a, a huge crate over there, or there's like a dump truck on the highway up there. You can like chain your attacks and charge up um, and throw things at enemies. It's actually really really cool. But there's so much going on. Like you hold RB and then you can access abilities from all your, all your team members, and those abilities are like buffing yourself with electric attacks, turning invisible so you can get sneak attacks, uh, slowing down time. Apparently using these moves will also build up relationship with those team members, but the demo, you don't really see a lot of that stuff. But there's a lot of timing-based attacks as well. Like, prompts will come up and you'll do finishes. Uh, There's so much going on that it's kind of hard to... Definitely hard to describe, but also hard to just know what's going on when you're playing for the first time. Mm. And you can enter some kind of overdrive mode as well that I only went into once during the demo, so I didn't get a good experience of that. But probably the coolest moment was during the boss encounter. I had to lift, um, like, essentially take, yeah, lift the giant dump truck off a highway, smash it on the boss, which looked really cool, and then it subdued it and I could take it out. So really, really cool. I really recommend giving the demo a try um, for the combat alone. I think it's really neat. Um, from a present, presentation standpoint, the character models look pretty crisp, but the environment of the demo, at least, was pretty flat, pretty boring. Mm. Uh, didn't look great, um, so hopefully they spice it up a bit more. But yeah, overall, I think it's, it's really fun. I'm looking forward to trying it out. I have no idea about the story. It's very anime mm. um, in both good and bad ways. So it's uh, yeah, but it's 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 kind of like for anyone. It's almost like the most Devil May Cry I've gotten from an action RPG in a long time. That 
level of combat. So yeah, it's kind of got that near automata vibe yeah. to it. I mean, just from the trailer, I don't know how it actually plays. Yeah, that can, game can get a little hectic, but because you've got all different party members going at the same time in this as well, it's even more so. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. worth a try. And what platforms is it on? So it's on PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, Xbox One, and the new Xbox platforms. And PC, I should say, as well. Mm. So pretty much everything except Switch. I have to say, like just on the Xbox, I actually was going through all my Xbox 360 collection. I'm like, ah, oh, maybe I should get a Series X because you can just play all these games on it. Yeah, you got to remember, not all the games are backwards compatible, though. Oh, really? Yeah, not every 360 game is backwards compatible. Though. Really? So I need yeah. to go through and check each one. Yeah, there's easy lists out there, but yeah, like definitely not full compatibility. There wasn't with the Xbox One. It's basically anything that was playable on Xbox One is playable on Series X, but not every game was backwards compatible. Yeah, because I'd also heard that they're not looking to update or include any further games. It's kind of like they're well, pretty much done on that. Well, they. I don't know if that was a recent comment because when they may announced that it was to focus on the Xbox Series X backwards compatibility stuff. So some people are hoping that at some point when they've got that stuff locked down, they may start to do it. But honestly, that look, there's some games like just Alle Noir the other week. You know, that's an example of a game that isn't backwards compatible. So. Oh wow. Okay. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Mm, okay. I, yeah. I guess I just have to dust off the 360 then and get that rolling. Um, all right. Cool. All right, well, let's get into our next uh, feature, and it is my review of Press Reset, so the new Jason Schreier book. Uh, so I reckon you guys are going to sit back for a second because I've got to get through my, my essay, my video essay. Um, so first off, just a bit of background about this book. Uh, so Jason Schreier, formerly editor, uh, sorry, not editor, writer at Kotaku, now at Bloomberg, uh, I would regard as the best video game writer out there by probably a country mile. Uh, even with but, that, though, dude, you got to get a room, you two. It's by this this stage, <laughs> every episode you just you got to think for for Jason. I think <laughs> that's correct, Mike. Uh, and if you didn't uh, see, I was uh, I, I want to go on a bit of a monologue here, <laughs> as, as when he's gone away as well. Jesus, um, yeah, so. Where was I? I gotta, I gotta get my into my thoughts here. Um, so yeah, so very much, uh, very pre- preeminent writer in the video game industry. But uh, at least from my perspective, and I'm probably like a centrist politically. Uh, you know, he's fairly left left wing, and you know has a lot of political views. Uh, very big on un- unionization. Very sort of anti capitalism in a lot of commentary that he's had in interviews and things like that. And I think it's quite important to set that context because I do think it colors the entire book. Um, and so in terms of the book itself, it's central thesis really, you know, delves into this idea of, you know, video games, you know, as a medium can create this amazing interactive art and have insanely, you know, impressive commercial hits, but the studios that create the games don't seem stable and even where you have examples of very well supported studios or very extremely well regarded games and very well sold games the actual people that are creating these games have no stability in their lives um and it, it's it's a sort of you know a dynamic that is very unfair uh and and you know it's quite heavy-handed the book in the way that it's, it describes it but really like the whole idea of the book is press reset he, he sort of and he closes the book with this is 
you know, they need to reset the industry, the way that the dynamics and the norms of the industry, they need to fundamentally change. And I'll go into that later and what I probably think about that as well. In terms of the book itself, I just want to make sure that like we capture this. So if anyone's keen on this book, so through the chapters, so there's really eight chapters. There's one chapter, chapter nine, which is, you know, around unions, outsourcing, remote work, an epilogue, which covers Telltale Games, which obviously was written quite recently, the way it was written. And it covers COVID-19 in the unions chapter, which is chapter nine, but that's not really specifically about studios games. So I'll probably park those ones. So chapters one through eight. So chapter one, very much about Warren Spector, Epic Mickey one and two, System Shock and Deus Ex. Uh, So I definitely think you guys would be keen on that one. Chapter two, Irrational Games, Ken Levine and Bioshock Infinite. Uh, Chapter three, game that I've never heard of, Drake Hollow and then The Flame and the Flood. Uh, So they're ex-Irrational devs. And then the interactions with Google Stadia, which was quite interesting. Chapter four, 2K Marin and 2K Australia. So that's Bioshock 2 and the Bureau, XCOM Declassified. Chapter 5, Visceral Games, Dead Space Trilogy, and then Ragtag, this uh, Star Wars game, another Star Wars game that got cancelled. And I laugh because uh, Jason Schreier's first book, Blood, Sweat and Pixels, actually talked about uh, 1313, which is another Star Wars game that was cancelled. Chapter 6, which is probably the one that everyone was waiting for, is around Kurt Schilling and Rhode Island and Copernicus, which is the Amala game that never got released in the Amala universe. Uh, chapter 7, Big Huge Games, Kingdoms of Amala, Reckoning, which is actually a game that came out. So we needed a review of the uh, remastered version, Re-Reckoning, so you can check that out on our channel. Uh, chapter 8 and the final one around games, Mythic Entertainment, Ju- Dungeon Keeper, and then subsequently uh, Enter the Gungeon. Uh, so just on the writing... Jason Schreier is an uh, incredible writer, very well written. The book flows really well. It's a bit of a page turner at times. Uh, For me, if you're only going to read portions of this book, there is an excerpt around 38 Studios that's really interesting, uh, Kurt Schilling on Bloomberg. Uh, Probably my favorite chapter, kind of unfortunately maybe, is chapter one around Epic Mickey and Warren Spector. And then probably chapter two, which is Ken Levine and Bioshock Infinite. So, you know, I guess, you know... (sighs) In a weird way, unfortunately for me, I was like, oh, wow, this book is incredible. Like the first two chapters were insane. Like, how's this book going to go? And then it did trail off a little bit for me in that way. And and just on that, so the book feels to me a bit claustrophobic. And as a counterpoint, it feels very different compared to Blood, Spec- uh, Blood Sweat, and Pixels, his first book. With his first book, it was really like, why is it so damn hard to make games? And it was like, that was the thesis of that book and the exploration, you know, Witcher 3, all these types of games. Whereas with this book, man, this book feels claustrophobic, and it feels like we're just sitting in the same topic, same studio, same people constantly. Uh, For me, you know, like, I was kind of thinking, this is about a 304-page book, you know, I felt like, man, this guy talks about Warren Spector a lot, right? So I have the Kindle version of this book, and I did a search. How many times does he even mention the word Spectre? 220 times. Maybe he's talking about Mass Effect. So it's a 304-page book, and he mentions Spectre three, 220 times. Spelled spell different, Mike. Just, just, I know. Bioshock. <laughs> he mentions Bioshock 176 times. Levine, 96 times. And just to put it in context, he says Sony and Nintendo 11 and 12 times total wow. in the entire book. Interesting. 
So it's just like, you know, I felt that reading it, like going all the way through, you know, random things that he's talking about somehow then becomes about system shock or Bioshock or Spectre or Levine. And I'm just like, ugh, it, it actually felt like a bit of a weight on the book. Like I'd rather almost just go even deeper on Bioshock infinite or on Epic Mickey. If you're going to stay in that type of zone. Then you can make a whole book about just that. Yeah. And, and just like on the, the structure of the book, like, does it work? For me, it's a bit of a yes and a bit of a no. So, you know, in general, the structure of it's almost like, you know, look at this great success or this thing that happened and then look at the fallout and then if they can, where's the upside? Like how how is it that people have recovered from that position? And it, to, to me, it's so heavy-handed personally, like the way it's structured. It's very you know, very much like, oh, you know, these studios, these AAA studios are terrible to their people. They work them to the bone. The CEOs get a gazillion dollars and then all the people are left in the wayside. And then the people who go indie, oh, it's a massive success. And it's just not the really the way it works. Like, you know, even for me, just going through some of the journeys of people who have left these studios, not all of them have gone to success. And then not all of them have gone now to AAA. Like the vast majority have stayed in AAA and are probably happy with that and that employment. Um, so like kind of does it work, does it not? For me, it feels very flawed from the start, this idea of like, it just feels like, it, you know, the author is just so anti-almost capitalism and just has this view around unionization is going to solve all the problems. And, you know, I do feel like it's a little bit naive. Like there was even a commentary in the book where it talks about, his personal experience with unionization. So as a writer at Kotaku, the, the, the whole company became unionized. Now writing, you know, on a blog, let's just say essentially, and being unionized cannot be anything close to trying to make a piece of art where you're interacting with lots of different people and it's dynamic and something gets released and it's like released once every three to four to five years and whether it's a success or not determines if you go on. It's like a totally, it just seems so bizarre to me that he's even trying to draw the link and the parallel around his own experience with unionization and something that is so far removed from what his experience with unionization is to the point where it's like, it, it's very naive, honestly, like comparing his experiences in America and then saying, oh, this would apply in China. It's like, mm, no, like it's a totally different context. Um, and that's where like the book to me, like, and ultimately like how good is this book, you know, and I'll, I'll probably go to like a video game trope to close it out is, you know, let's put it on a tier list. So hmm. I'm not hmm. saying that Jason Schreier is a bad writer. He's an incredible writer. I think the book is very flawed from my perspective. I think his first book, Blood, Sweat and Pixels, I'd put in S tier. That's an S tier book. I'd put Masters of Doom another S tier book. It's all about id software creating, you know, Quake and all these types of games. Where does this book sit? Because it's a tier list, you know, and you've got to <laughs> be like relative, like I'd probably give this book like a three out of five, like in a traditional book sense. Right. But because it's a tier list, tier list is all about being See? relative and you've got to go, well, you know, what other books are there out there? And because of that, I probably still put it in the A tier because there's just not that many great video game books, unfortunately. Um, and I certainly wouldn't want this book to be a dampener. And this book is selling like gangbusters. It's third on the New York Times bestseller list, like for nonfiction books. Like it's doing really, really well. But to me, it was a, a big disappointment, honestly. Um, 
you know, I think out of recent books that have come out, Ask Iwata, Iwata, sorry, is like much better uh, book, much shorter. It's only like a hundred pages long, but yeah, this book is just sort of like, it, it pulls these threads and it either doesn't go far into the detail enough for me or it follows stories. And it's just like, as opposed to the first book where you'd have a whole chapter and a real deep dive on Stardew Valley and the creator behind Stardew Valley. And it's just like really fascinating to, to live in that sort of world for a period of time. Whereas this always feels a bit broken up that you're talking about a big game that came out and then, you know, following on for the devs and as they got sacked and everything like that and moved on. So, so yeah, I put it in A tier, but I'd probably put it at the bottom of A tier. And that's kind of where I landed on this book. But do you recommend people read it? So this is an interesting question. I think for people like us, 100%, because there's like lots of insights and just how people think and studios, everything like that. I think if you're a general punter, honestly, I'd skip this book and read Blood, Sweat and Pixels. If you've read that book and like Masters of Doom and you're super hungry to read books about video games, then yeah, read it. But I don't think this is a compelling book on its own. Whereas Blood, Sweat and Pixels and Masters of Doom, I'd just give it to anyone. I'd go, just read this if you're fascinated about stuff. It's interesting. It's it's captivating. I don't think this book's captivating. I feel like it does rely on, you know, us knowing a lot of these things. And I feel like just a general punter would be like, who the hell is this bloody Warren Spector guy that he's talking well, about 220 about, times? But that's what I was about to say. Like, Warren Spector, Ken Levine, these are very well-known figures in the industry. Yeah. If you're fans of those people and their work, is it worth reading? Oh, 100%. I think yeah. if you're, like, fascinated about, you know, Bioshock or, yeah, Warren Spector or what's going on with, you know, System Shock 3. Like, he covers that in this book a few times, actually. I am. I'm more interested in... So, so I don't know. When I look at topics like this that are pretty big topics to talk about, mm. if you're talking about, you know, a particular toxic thing about an industry, you need a huge sample size as opposed to, from what I'm hearing from you, and I don't know because I haven't read the book what seems to be a relatively small sample size of companies and people that have gone through that process. Am I understanding that correctly? You can't, sorry, you can't spread yourself too thin, though. You can't spread yourself too thin, stuff. but it's it's like, if, you, if it, you're talking about a topic like this that's supposed to be this huge issue with the industry, I think you need more than two, like three or four examples, big examples of, mm. of a thing. Companies go under all the time. I've worked for projects that I've, you know, put in a year's worth of effort or even a couple of years worth of effort that have gone absolutely nowhere. I got absolutely no reward at the end of it, nothing, not even like a thank you for wasting two years of your existence. Yeah, yeah. Shit. It happens in so many different industries that, you know, picking three examples, you need way more than that to say it's a huge systemic issue that needs to be completely addressed. And I'm not saying it isn't a huge systemic issue because it, it, it probably is. Um, I don't work in the industry, so I can't comment on that. But I work in other industries where exactly the same issues happen. Um, yeah, of course. But I would say if I'm going to you know, present my case forward, I would give a shit ton of examples as to why it's happening as opposed to picking a, a small handful. Um, and I get that you know, you, you don't want to spread yourself too thin. It's a book, et cetera. But it's, it's a topic that I think needs a lot of backing to discuss broadly in the industry, not just a few samples within that. But again, I haven't read it. I'm just going through what you're saying. So Yeah. But I mean, look, like there's a couple of things that I'll pick up on there for what you're saying, Mike. So yeah, I I, I totally agree. I think when you start going down uh, anecdotal routes to argue system problems, like that's so dangerous uh, because you've got to look at these things at a very 
macro level, um, you can always pick out anecdotes either side to say why it's great, which it's not, and why it's terrible, which it's not. You know, it's mixed. It's mixed results, right? There's plenty of examples of studios that treat their people well, plenty of examples that they don't treat their people well. Um, And I think, yeah, for me, I think that's just where the book fails as an idea for me personally, that instead of, you know, living a little bit less politically from a, you know, central thesis perspective and just, you know, trying to bring out a balanced view, it does feel very much like trying to support its argument that the industry is broken in at least the States. And again, it's a very Western view, right? Like I kind of found it fascinating that, you know, he never touches on, you know, any Japanese studios, you know, where they actually do have the same people. You can go on like Moby games, which is like the IMDB for video games. And you'll see like people stay at studios for long periods of time in Japan. And he never explores like, why is it different in Japan versus America? why is America very similar to European companies? And there's a lot of unionization in European countries. So why is it not happening there? And it just, like I said, it at times, and I really dislike that about like Shrye's reporting that, you know, it does very much sometimes, and people are going to get offended at what I'm about to say, but it feels very like university political discussion where it's just so naive, so detached from the real world, you know, people are like, oh, communism's the greatest. And then you go, well, okay, show me an example of where it worked. It's been in many countries, right? And people can't point to one, right? And then they criticize capitalism whilst wearing Nike shoes. Like it just, it feels very naive at times. And it's a shame because this guy, and you know, Mike's saying like I'm the number one fan club, you know, I think his writing's amazing and his insights and his ability to, you know, get stories on the record from people is just incredible. Like, like some of the stuff in the book, like it's fascinating because it's, you know, we're talking about a year ago, some of the stories, you know, when they're talking about Google Stadia and kind of the execs whilst being really nice people, just having no idea about games. I mean, that's probably no shock of a revelation. Um, whereas Microsoft, you know, was really great to deal with as, as according to the folks behind Drake Hollow. But yeah, like I said, I just wish that he didn't go into that political side as much because I feel like it would have just been such a better book. And I think he would have allowed more space for the reader to make their own mind up. Whereas it just feels like so heavy handed at times of like triple A bad, you know, CEO bad. Why is he getting that much money? You know, why isn't, why aren't the workers getting paid millions of dollars or why aren't the workers in charge of their schedules? And yet in his own book, he talks about studios that basically can do whatever they want and they can't make games. So it's kind of like, he just feels like he argues against himself unbeknownst to himself at times. It's just, I don't know. And you can even see with the writing at times, he even calls it out. Like, oh, it's almost like, well, you know, I've said this, but you know, this is reason why it's not true. And I'm like, mm, not sure if that really rings true to me, but, but parking all that, you know, yes, if you're interested in Bioshock, um, you know, the Kurt Schilling story, uh, Irrational Games, Mythic, some of these huge studios, visceral games like the Dead Space trilogy, you'll get a lot out of the book. You yeah. just I actually have to wade through yeah. the politics. I'd be really interested yeah. to hear what you guys think about it. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to definitely pick it up. So, yeah, that's my review of uh, Press Reset. I've been looking forward to this book for a long, long time. Uh, but I actually cancelled my physical order of it. I had I got a Kindle version of it and I was going to get the physical still. 
but I actually cancelled it because I don't think I'll ever reread it again. Whereas Blood, Sweat and Pixels, I'll definitely reread that book. That was a really cool book. All right, for our final segment. It's a cruel world after all. <laughs> Swinney, cruel world. Yes. Backstory. Uh, the devs reached out to us, called us out. Although they, they don't really think that they called us out. But calling us out, saying we haven't played this game. So we have gone as deep as we can on this game. And uh, I think we have mixed views on it. So this is a game, again, that came out of a game jam. Weird social experiments. Uh, I guess the thesis from the devs is that people are going to ruin this game. So you get into these like little points where you need to save or progress through the game, open doors, things like that. And it's a, pl- it's a platformer that's yeah. like that you can die really easily. Yeah, it's a pretty brutal platformer. Mm, very brutal. Very basic, but like almost like a very basic version of Super Meat Boy or something. Uh, that's not very accurate, but you know what I'm trying to say with that. Yeah. And yeah, there's these save points. And essentially, like, you know, it's a bit of a riff off blockchain and a criticism of blockchain. It's this idea of like, you have to quote unquote hack the save point. Let's just simply say it. And you can then permanently put your name down on the list, or you can just hack it in a playthrough and then save and it will go away when you close the game. And that hacking, like in the form that I was playing at, could sometimes take up to five minutes. Yes. Sometimes more. <laughs> yeah, know, sometimes yeah. less. You know. it, yeah, but very much the way I was playing this game. It's like, uh, get up to a point where I can save or do something like that or read something. Okay, I'll hack that. And then I just put the game to the side and start doing other stuff. Oh, it's finished. Okay, I'll go back to the game. The game. So, you know, and that that's part of the... Like, this is an art game, let's be real. And that's point of... the like you know point of the art right like they're they're kind of making a bit of a criticism i think of people and blockchain and selfishness of people and you know selfishly mike and i put our names down permanently on some of the nodes i kind of did it as a bit of a joke i don't so know the if you qu- doing it, i did mike, it just so. to, to see what happens to be honest i just wanted so the to question explore. i had is i know you guys did it for the first node at least because mm-hmm. i could see into god's name pop <laughs> yeah. up and that's in the that's in the thumbnail by the way uh, so we can see that. But um, Mike, did you did you do it for everything? No, I I did it. I think I did it for one. I uh, wasn't maybe two. Just I just wanted to see what it is. To be honest, I wanted to experience the game and figure out what hacking was and figure out what it meant to mine the node and make it yours and stuff like that and have your name come up. I kind of just wanted to explore the game world in that sense. At I didn't the, do it to be a dick or anything. I didn't. I did. I just did it just to see one of the mechanics of the game. And you've subsequently made it harder for everyone now. I know. I apologize <laughs> to anyone who's still playing oh, the game. Well, I did, but I'm the sorry. Part I, of needed the game. To, I needed to part of the game. I needed to figure out what the game was all about, and that was part <laughs> of the game. I had to see it for myself. Um, and, and and just for me, Swinney. So like, uh, you know, and if anyone wants to see bad gameplay, the the B roll on the YouTube clip is actually of me playing. So, you know, and just before anyone says anything, I know I'm the Dean Takahashi of uh, Big Wig Incorporated. So that's fine. (laughs) I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. It's fine. Um, And every single time I I typed in mine and then I just deleted it. (laughs) I never actually pressed enter. Uh, Yeah. So there's no reason to do it unless you, I guess you want to come back a lot later and play the game. I I guess, Winnie. Yeah. that, Ah. That was the part I was trying to understand is what, because I was, I found myself progressing really easily without making any of the terminals mine. Um, 
so that's I was trying to understand is it simply just to to make your mark yeah and, 100%. To, and also that making more difficult fathers you know people that want to yeah watch the world burn a bit you know well, it's, um, it's it's it means because you know when i go back into the game i can go up to anyone any point that i mind and then just save instantly okay yeah, yeah. so so it's a selfishness thing it's like a trade-off yeah. like i'd be selfish and benefit me but then every single other person who plays it is going to be harder and there's specific parts that I got up to um, where... <laughs> so there's a part where you have to hack two doors in a row. Yes, yes, I did this as well. Then go on, go hack on. a monument. Then hack the two doors to get back out. So essentially five hacks in a row. And that's where I'm like, oh man, if I'd made those two doors mine, <laughs> I assume they would have stayed open on the other side. Yeah, they would but... have, yeah. yeah. So I, I didn't make any save terminals or info terminals. Of course not permanent but i did for the crown monuments that i came across because ah. i thought to myself especially one of them there's one on the roof so you get up onto the top of the roof and then you've got to do some pretty tricky jumps and at that point i was still learning i'll get into the mechanics in a second but i was still learning you know all the little tips and tricks of how the character works and when i got up there i'm like you know what I want to put my name on this monument. You know, I don't think that <laughs> yeah. stops anyone from progressing. From I think it's more of just from from what I could tell. Just hey, you're putting your name on this thing because you got up here. And but going the info terminals is probably my favorite thing of this game. The idea behind them. So this game has it plays nothing like it, but it's got the same feeling I had when I was playing Cave Story, where there's the the, the world there's these things you just don't know and the way it, it kind of explains them to you. And it's kind of Fez like in some ways mm. as well, where you don't understand how the spikes work in, unless you, you know, figure out by accident until you read the terminal. Exactly. Uh, you don't understand some of the different mechanics and there's like some of the jumping mechanics are really tricky to get used to, but they're kind of almost like hidden until you like figure out, Oh wait, I can actually do this or I can, how do I manage to jump three blocks high as opposed to two blocks high? Well, can like I that? just quickly go into that, Swinney? Because I never learned how to double jump properly in this game. Yeah. So how do you double jump in this game? I don't understand the mechanic of it. So I understood double jumping that you do like the the spin jump when you're spinning. And then if you hit it at a certain arc, you'd get the double jump. Oh, okay. So that, yeah. And you could so, do it consistently? Uh, look, I wouldn't say I hit it every time, but pretty consistently because I couldn't as you get as you get further in. So I got I played it quite a bit. Mm. I got to what I assume are like the DLC areas, like the Sky Temple areas, and that. And some of those jumps are really tough, where you hundred percent have to um, like be using double jumps. And I got to a screen where it was just it was pretty rough. And I said, "Look, I'm I'm happy to put it down for now." And you know, I'd, I'd experienced a lot of the game up until that point, um, so I don't. But I ended up going to DLC, I think, before I finished what was probably the main part of it. Mm. So, And I couldn't figure out how to get back out. I can't remember if you how, exactly how you can get back to previous areas um, once if you load the game up again or something. But it's I just love the fact that the game is really simple, but it's got all these little hidden elements to it. And I actually had a blast playing this game. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I think the controls are, for a, key, for a game that you play for keyboard, that it requires like pixel precision. Um, I actually found it really, really fun to play. So, so what did I'm you like, think of it, Mike? <laughs> yeah, like I think so. Another people. Wow, wow. 
as a contrast to what he just <laughs> said. So I, I, I keep thinking back and I've actually opened it up because I think it's worth reading again the quote that came uh, from the creator, which was that um, I was wrong about what people were willing to endure, accept or even embrace. I have more positive, uh, a more positive view of what people are capable of enduring now, but I don't know if that's a good thing. People can get used to and even find joy, beauty and solace in just about anything. On one hand, this is admirable and quite beautiful, which is what you did, Swinney. Uh, but maybe it means uh, as the end of the world draws nearer, instead of fighting to stop it, maybe everyone will just endure it. I'll be honest with you, I didn't enjoy the game. I went, <laughs> I went back to the real Cruel World after sort of the third level and I, you know, did real world things because as much as I absolutely command and just, just reading the comments from the creator... This guy seems awesome. Like, I'd love to talk to him in person. I'd love to even have him on the podcast and stuff. Yeah, we should. Yeah. Um, shit on him like and then really let's, awesome. let's get him on the podcast. I am not shitting on him and his creation whatsoever. <laughs> I, I think it's him. brilliant. <laughs> I absolutely think it's brilliant. Um, and just being able to create something as cool as this and to make it in such a short period of time is, to me, mind-blowing. Like, it's amazing. I'm absolutely not shitting on it. Um all I'm saying is I am one of those people who do not endure stuff for the sake of just enduring stuff. Um, and yeah, with me, it was the complete opposite experience, I think, to what you had, Swinney. I, I bailed out. Um, I see the beauty in this and I see how amazing this this thing is. But it, um, yeah, I went back to the real cruel world, I think, on this the one. Interesting. The question I have is those are early areas. I was almost shocked, surprised by how... how they weren't very punishing. Like, <laughs> I like how no, Sweeney is always no, like, they weren't super bad. No. no humble brags. No, this is not a humble brag. I was expecting the game to be more like your I want to be the guy style where you're going to die all the time. And it's a very forgiving a game. Times. But times- Sweeney, can I just say, Sweeney is the guy who's like making NES games back in the 80s. And he's like, no, man, Battletoads is easy. What are people worried about? No, I. Let me finish my point. I'm saying that I was expecting the game to be much more punishing. It gets punishing later, but it's it's much fairer than I was expecting. It really was. And that's why I was surprised. I was expecting to kind of bounce off because I'll get to the point where, oh man, I'm going to have to, like, it's going to take ages to hack these. I'm dying all the time. And there's certain rooms where, you, you know, until you get the hang of it, you're going to die all the time. Like I talked about this room called Consistency, which you have to be really consistent with um, the mechanic where you bounce up the single yeah, lane. That's passes. where I died. Like, I stopped playing. Yeah, <laughs> I so couldn't be to, consistent. You have to do it, like, three to four times in a row. You can you can save at a point that's above, but you have to kind of, like, do a trick jump to get up there. That's, like, that's examples where, you know, like, it does take perseverance to, to get through, but, um, like, the Sky Temple area is, like, that's, to me, what I was expecting where it's like okay, I'm I'm having I'm dying all the time, and those like those first few areas. That's why I was surprised that you bounced off so quickly, Mike, because I didn't feel it was that way. And I guess it, it, if you bounce because you just weren't enjoying it, that's a different thing. No, altogether. that's that's why it wasn't necessarily a difficulty spike or anything. I think I yeah. just had too much stuff in the real world to do to persevere. And it's the it's real a really cruel world. the real cruel world, yeah. And it's a really fascinating thing because the reality is through that adversity is where you do get satisfaction from. And I think if you look at the game from that perspective, and it's the same as life in general, it it's almost not so much that people just accept certain things. It's that when they overcome the adversity 
that comes from certain challenges in life, you get way more satisfaction than if you just coast through and it's easy and pointless, basically. So I think you kind of, you, you experience a part of the game that I almost am jealous that I didn't get to experience. You know what I mean? Because I didn't get to go through those challenges and, and have that satisfaction at the end, knowing that I've completed that. It's one of those things that for the rest of my life, I will never know what it's like. (laughs) The the funniest moment for me, and I did mention this, but I obviously didn't say what it was in our offline chat, was that, you know, that consistency room, and I was getting through and it went through all these areas, and then it just spits you back out, like, where you came in. And I'm like, oh, so it it was like, honestly, for nothing. But it made me laugh (laughs) that I just spent all this time doing something that just spits you back where you were. And I'm like, okay, that's that's pretty funny. That's That's cruel. That's cruel is what that is. It's awesome. I so, just, yeah, like, for me, the biggest yeah. thing was, like, I couldn't get the mechanics down perfectly each time. So, like, the double jump was, like, pissing me off so much. You can even see in the footage, I was trying to do this double jump. I'm like, how do you do the double jump? Like, I, I've done it a few times. I just couldn't nail it. And then weird shit, like, if you... Swinny, you can explain how this works, but if you hold down and then move to the right or the left and jump and move, you, you roll straight away? Yeah, there's there's also weird things, like, you there's certain uh, I couldn't figure this part out. Sometimes when your character your character moves across, they kind of hop, and at certain times they hop a bit higher. That if you jump at the height of that, then you can go a bit higher. I couldn't get that stuff down pat. Mm. I, sometimes I just had to kind of like almost brute force it. Um, like I got stuck in an area. One of the rooms has a little gap with it's just a hole of three. Blocks basically, and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I yeah. got stuck there. You can even <laughs> see I'm the like, footage. Oh, I can't get out of this bloody hole, and I got out of the hole, and then I bounced back in. I'm like, oh, I can't get <laughs> this bloody hole. So the way um, I learned was that if you hold down <laughs> and then press right or left, you start to roll straight away. Yeah, and that's how I bounced out of there. I was like, oh my god, is that there to teach you that? <laughs> like, there's yeah. a way to get out. And I don't know. It's a funny I, game. It's a funny game. I did read most of the info journals, but there's probably some that I. Uh, the the problem I had with the game was that I kind of got lost because I kind of hit some dead ends and mm. figure out where to go and ended up all the way back at the start. And you got to remember, I'm having to rehack every single door and everything each time I go through. Um, so thankfully, I finally found the way forward. And I had ended up in that DLC area, as I said, but it had like three keys on me. And I'm like, oh, man, maybe I should have gone back to the other areas to see if I can, like, I guess, try to finish the finish main it, yeah. game, you know, but... It was. It was. Look, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, as I said, it's. It kind of gave me that vibe of Cave Story. It's not like a, a much Cave Story is a much more complete experience, but it, that's the kind of vibe I got from it in terms of this is some indie kind of cool experience mm. that one person's worked on. Um, in such a short yeah. period of time, it's seriously yeah. blows my mind to get all of that done so quickly. Well, I think they did some extra work after the game jam. But yeah, yeah like the core still, though, idea. It's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So I just say thanks again to John Malloy, one of the devs on the game, for reaching out. Um, yep. Very, very Thank cool. You. Very cool person. Like I was uh, asking about Game Maker Studio versus Go Godot, which is what was used to make this game. Godot is very cool. Like if you want to make games, I'd probably check out Godot because it's free and it can make think, 2D and 3D games. I think we should call out where people can actually get cruel world so it's on itch.io on uh Droken's channel so it's uh, i think d-r-o-q-e-n dot itch.io and if you want to go straight to the cruel world page then forward slash cruel dash world yeah and you can actually check out uh 
Mike and I, we are we are mined into that game permanently. And so is Swinney. If you get up to, of course, Swinney uh, has to be yeah. you know bold and of get course. to a difficult pun in the game. You know? <laughs> maybe maybe Mike is the Dean Takahashi of the podcast, given that he gave up on level three. No, nah, it's going to fall flat, isn't it? We can't argue his bad. <laughs> I'm trying to think no, if, if Mike bad. knows who Dean Takahashi And I don't know. So. Oh, okay, so the reference is, Mike, that uh, there was a reporter for VentureBeat yeah. who uh, who was playing the Cuphead tutorial stage, you know, where he's just showing you the mechanics of yeah, Cuphead, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he couldn't get through it. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it was streamed or something, <laughs> or it was like in his review or whatever, and people were just ripping. This is when this big topic about uh, like how good at games do people need to be to review them, that's, and do you need to finish well, games yeah. and everything. And uh, just quickly, uh, yeah. Jeff Grubb, who, you know, did a lot of reporting around Starfield, his Twitter bio is, I'm friends with a guy who couldn't play the Cuphead level. (laughs) (laughs) Which is one of the greatest (laughs) Twitter bios. And I was like, yeah, the Dean Takahashi. I guess I have to wear that, given how good you guys are at games. Relatively, I'm bad. Um, but yeah, cruel world, very very cool. Uh, thanks to the devs again. Very cool. Check it out. It's um, it's I, I love art games. I just keep going on about that, and, and it's an art game, and it's cool. It's cool to you know that interacting interactive mediums can you know create these kind of different experiences that you can't get from any other medium. So yeah, check it out. I think that'll be the last time we covered it. I think it's three times that we've covered this game now. <laughs> so I think we're done. Unless um, Mike comes back later and completes the game. Yeah, for exactly. <laughs> and then I'll do a whole thesis on the philosophy behind the game. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that wraps us up for this week uh, in Big Week in Gaming. Uh, next week, check us out because we are checking our final game of summer of the year 2011. The, the odyssey of of all odysseys in terms of podcasting. I think it's almost been a year that we've been talking about Game of Some Other Year. And this is our final nominee, Dark Souls. Dark Souls. And then two weeks after that. So check us out for episode 48. So like I said, it's almost been a year. (laughs) Episode 48, where we will determine which game of 2011, we're only 10 years late, 2011 is going to be crowned the Big Week in Gaming Game of Some Other Year. We've Fists even got a trophy. Fists will fly. Fists will fly. <laughs> and we haven't even figured out how we're choosing <laughs> to pick the game. I've said it before, but good old verbal violence is how we <laughs> And I should say quickly that we are changing. We're keeping Game of Some Other Year. It's a great format, but we are changing the way it's going to work. So we are going to be a lot quicker in picking which Game of Some Other Year and then which are the six nominees. And then over Christmas, we would just cover them there. So we are getting a little bit more organized. Part of it is my fault as well. Uh, and because Portal 2 was obviously one of the six games that should have been Game of Some Other Year, but wasn't. And I played all the way through it, which I liked anyway. Anyway, that's it for us. Bye-bye. Ciao. Ciao.